I think one is a good number. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going with sixty-nine. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to TMNT Shellcast. I'm Andrew. I'm your host this week, and uh, I'm joined, as always, by my brothers, John. John, how are you doing? Hello. I'm doing well. And Chris. How are you? What doing? is going on? A quick uh, turnaround for recording, at least this week. Feels like we're yeah. just here. Yeah, probably our quickest, actually. I would say three days, two days in between. It's it's wild ride. Um, however, we've got a, lo- a ton in store for you, so I'm going to do my best to um, keep things streamlined. We are covering today episode 30 of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated series, which is titled Attack of Big Mac, and this is uh, season three, episode 12. So we're cruising. We're um, We're cruising. That's all I, I have to say. Anything new or n- noteworthy? before we hop into the episode recap, guys. Uh, yes, two things. One, this the name of this episode just really made me want to get a Big Mac. And did you? No, I didn't. It's, I haven't had a Big Mac in forever. Or, uh, yeah, Big Mac, just Whopper, whatever. Nice little fast food hamburger. Uh, and two, keen viewers may be aware I've got a new pair of glasses on. Thank you to my friends at Warby Parker, no free ads there. You can't really tell what they're blue and they've got the blue light, no blue light. And I'm wearing blue shirt for my boy, Leonardo, this episode. So shout out to Leonardo. Are those prescription? Yes, they are. Okay. John is not a poser. No. Very nice. And you can use your FSA. Uh, if you have HSA, that. HSA, FSA on that. I do not have an HSA. I have the full insurance. So very good. For better for worse. And how about you, Chris? Anything new or noteworthy from your neck of the woods? Uh I, I don't know if it's noteworthy, but I've realized that we're hurtling toward the end of July, which can only mean that the TMNT movie is right around the corner. I think first week of August is I should know the release date. I don't I just remember it being in early August. It's the second, so I believe we are about a week away from what I am calling the, the movie of the summer. I know some other crucial movies just came out. Oppenheimer, Barbie, not on my watch. TMNT is all I care about. So I will Barbie see this in theaters. Cool. I haven't been to a theater in since pre-COVID. So coming back strong. Wow. Well, yes, it is August 2nd. Um, and I am in fact watching it in 4D w- with my son. What is what's the fourth? What's the fourth dimension? Time. I've I've never I've never been to one, but my understanding is it's um, physical element. So like if it's raining, you may get misted like with water, or if like your what? seat vibrates. Um, that's my understanding. I could be wrong about that, but it's three dimensional glasses plus like these other things that are happening around you. I so, may need to find one. I didn't even know that existed. So I 
didn't either until somebody told me they saw Jurassic Park in 4D. And uh, I was like, wow, that would be a great experience. So um, we're doing that. I think we're going on release day. Wow, you're going to dress up? That is the question. Will you wear a costume? Yes, I'll at least wear a mask. Like, uh, because I encourage everyone to check out, go to Target, go to Walmart, um, regardless of whether you support big box stores, because you can see the full Mutant Mayhem display. They have everything, everything. They've got the action figures, which are great. They've got um, masks, backpack, lunchbox, water bottles, um, candy, like literally everything. So um, I might grab some from there or maybe I'll make a homemade thing. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But I will be there opening night. It's a fact. And uh, I believe, I think, and I suggest we should do a a bonus episode on the movie separately. It's going to be a long one, but I think it's definitely noteworthy and deserves it. Agreed. Awesome. Well, uh, for my neck of the woods, not a whole lot new, um, but I have prepared for for you, the listening audience, a wonderful episode. Um, we've got a ton of segments. We've got pizza time, which we'll get to in a second. We have a reptile draft, which should be interesting. Uh, turtleisms, the villain power ranking, pizza pole, and uh, pizza spin. And we also have a little surprise for you that I will present later in the show. So without further ado, let's hop right into it. And unfortunately, not only am I your host, but I'm also eating the pizza this week. So last week I spun shredded mozzarella, which in the grand scheme of the wheel, probably couldn't get much better than that in terms of just like straightforward Mm -hmm. pizza. Um, So I was very grateful for that. I do have to say the wheel was just because... Gen Z didn't think chief was the best nickname. That's why I was sent to the wheel. Um, so at the end of the day, the wheel don't lie. And I got shredded mozzarella. So what I want to say, I'll show you the slice and then get into a little exposition. So here is, uh, I got to hmm. turn my green screen off. Probably. Can you guys see that? Okay. Or no? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I wouldn't, well, I'll let you continue, but. Maybe a little light on the mozzarella for extra mozzarella. Well, there was no it was extra. just shredded. Yeah, it was just shredded. Oh, okay. Well, then. So. Perfectly but, executed. But again, <laughs> um, so this is it. This is a frozen pizza. And the reason I was so excited about this <clears throat> uh, last week when I spun is because this also exists. So Whoa, this is. Nice. Whoa. And I'm going to have to move my mic to the side here so everyone can see. But this is my green screen, gotta go left, um, version of the Mutant Mayhem frozen pizzas, which I got at Walmart. This is a Supreme. So I did move the ingredients to the side because they did not have any regular cheese in stock. So I apologize for that, but very cool. And um, I don't know what they cost, but pretty straightforward. You know, we I think there's four different ones, including a mac and cheese pizza, which is fucking wild. Wow. So check that out. I don't yeah. know if I'm going to buy it, um, but I did see this Donnie Supreme. They got some cool, you know, kid-friendly activities on the back, some cards, crossword puzzles. Um, wow, they're making the things. pizza box just like the cereal box. Well, that is true. And let me take my bite of my pizza and I'll continue on that. Okay. 
topic of conversation. So I think I'm going to go. I didn't even know those came out. I don't know why I didn't know that because it makes perfect sense that they would merchandise food. But that kind of feels like a little bit of a collector's item, Andrew. So maybe get all four, do a little creative framing for the the pod room. Look pretty good on the wall behind me. A lot of things will look there. good on the wall, Chris. Yeah, an on-air sign, maybe. I will also, listeners may remember a guarantee made at the end of the last episode that I would have new lighting. Well, Amazon has let me down. The quick turnaround and the shipment has not arrived yet. But don't fear because it'll look like I'm on the surface of the sun next week. According <laughs> from here. So hope you guys are ready for that. I'm ready for that. Well, uh, Chris, I do have to say I was laughing as I was editing last episode because of your guarantee, knowing that we only had a couple days in between recordings. So I knew that at the end of the day, you would not deliver on that. Um, <laughs> or Amazon wouldn't deliver. Yeah, true. Tech. And and with the um, impending UPS strike, it seems like everything is going to shut down. Logistically, Not even but- with Amazon Prime? You couldn't get it in 24 hours? I ordered it that night, too. Through it was prime. It was prime, John. But listen, wow. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna blame a driver for not working on the weekend. So, what are you gonna do? It's fair. But this is the pizza time segment. So this was my pizza. It was actually delicious. I'm not gonna lie. I follow the box instructions to the T. It says 18 minutes, 16 to 18 minutes. I always go the longer end um, at 400 degrees. Delicious. So, um, I'm giving this slice. So this is frozen pizza. Keep this in mind. Um, but I'm giving this slice $9.02. In two cents. Wow. In two cents. Why? Uh, cheese pizza is my favorite. It is my favorite. It's boring. You can call it boring if you want. Um, but it's the original. So you can't get better than that. I uh, can't get cooler than that either. The OG. Uh, number two. This is actually... Honestly, I, I don't want to say this because it sounds biased. This is one of the better frozen cheese pizzas, frozen pizzas I've had. Believe, like, believe it or not. So, the only thing that I was going to add to that is I'm going to have to wash it down with. Uh, and I'm not actually going to eat this here, but I'm going to turn off my green screen because it's really impacting uh, the footage here. But this is the wow. cereal box. So, Family size too. Yeah, you got to go family wow, look size. Look at those marshmallows. Yeah. yeah. So here, this is why I wanted to bring it up. So very cool. Um, I picked this up last week uh, shopping. They're in stores everywhere. So just keep an eye out for anything TMNT related. Um, but it is a weird combination of ingredients. It's essentially what I would call a uh, generic version of Applejack flavored. So that apple cinnamon, that fake apple cinnamon flavor. Um, and then Lucky Charms, Ninja Turtle, you know, heads wow. essentially. So it's a weird flavor combo cause it's like sweet. And I'll show you, um, again, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here, but I will show you. This is like the actual cereal. It's a oval, like three dimensional oval or a keddy, if you will. or what? Or a keddy shaped, keddy shaped. Yeah. Whatever Earlier. that is. Um, it's pasta. Oh, Andrew, or, oh, or a Ketty. <laughs> I thought you were saying or a 
Ketty, like T-I. I'm like, what's a Ketty? Anyway, yes. As a good host does. Yeah. So that's not my favorite, honestly. Like, the pizza is really good. The cereal I would probably give, you know, here's a Dontello. I don't know if that'll focus. It's, you know, Lucky Charms. So if you like Lucky Charms, if you like Lucky Charms and you like Apple Jacks mixed together, that combo, then this is your dream cereal. If you don't, like me, it's probably like a four, four and a half on, you know, I give it $4.50. Who so. makes the pizza? Who's the manufacturer? Like the, is there one? Ninja Pizza. <laughs> um, I don't see. Oh, right here. Distributed by Food Story Curations. Never heard of them. Interesting. That sounds like a company from Shrek. Sounds like a Shredder and Crane production going on. Yeah. Um, I was I was interested um, in looking. I don't know if this is exclusive to Walmart. I honestly don't know. Um, however, it probably isn't. Um, but I was going to say this reminds me a lot of the Barstool Sports one bite pizzas. And so I'm curious if it's the same company because mm. the box is the same. Like it's very similar taste. Um, I'm not sure. But either way, it's a great pizza. I recommend you go out. Support the the movie. Support Nickelodeon. We all grew up on Nickelodeon. That's a fact. Um, so you know, support them and go out and watch the movie, buy the stuff. Beautiful. Fact, so, that was exciting. Yeah. I will be heading to the store tomorrow to grab all four pizzas. Yeah. Let me have. know how the mac and cheese. I think it's called Mac Attack, and I almost bought it, but I just don't know if I can commit to it. Perfect episode to reference Mac. I know, I know. It would have been good. It would have been good. But uh, so that's pizza time. Um, and now we're we're going to hop right into it. Hop right into the episode recap. So again, this is episode 30 from season two. I'm sorry. Team and T-Shellcast episode 30. And it's from season two, episode 12 of the 1989 uh, TMNT cartoon uh, entitled Attack of the Big Mac. So... Right out of the gate, we have another storm-ridden Manhattan day, evening, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we, and this one's unique because we've got a whole lot of thunder and a whole lot of lightning. Um, and in the layer, the Joe turtles Durr are... Be, Joe Durr would be proud of that. Nobody gets it. I would also be, don't I even hear it. Joe Durr. Joe Durr. Oh yeah, thunder. thunder. What's his name when he yeah, a little, thunder, a little lightning. <laughs> well, that thunder and lightning uh, was intense because as the turtles are watching TV, and um, I do have to reference here. Did you guys notice what they were watching on the TV? Ace Duck. Absolutely. So, I think Ace Duck. That's his only appearance in the entire oh. series. Oh, I think. So I did a little research, Andrew, because I saw him on the screen and I was like, this guy looks familiar. And that is the only reference to him in the 1989 cartoon series is that little brief blip of him on the screen. But he did get an action figure from the original line and is apparently very prevalent in some of the comics. So even though he just gets a little bit of screen time here, he does appear to be an important character in the universe. Yes, yes. And in my mind, like a ripoff of, you know, uh, what, Daffy? 
Darkwing Sea Duck. Yeah. One of those guys, one of those ducks from, you know, Disney or whatever. As but, the resident duck expert, being them being my favorite animal. Great, great reference. Also, there's a new movie coming. I my so this is a little aside. Um Imagination or so whatever, whoever made some other movie. <laughs> I'm doing a terrible Where are we going right with now. this? Whoever made the, 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 the people that made Groot grew. They are making a movie Marvel? about ducks. No. Groot? Disney. No. Oh, Groot, not Groot. Yeah, Groot. You're talking about Despicable Me. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Despicable Me. They DreamWorks Studios, I think is what John was trying to get at. I don't think it's DreamWorks. I don't think it's that's what you're thinking of Imagine. Whatever. No, it's I don't think it's DreamWorks. Either way. But they're making a movie about ducks. Anyways, go watch it. Check it out. Check it out. We will. John will give you a bonus episode on the duck, sh- the duck movie. But here, uh, it's just a TV show. They're they're watching, and um, Donnie walks in and changes the channel. Which, as a brother, I don't know if any of us ever like pulled that move on each other, especially when the whole group. So all three: Raph, Mikey, and Leo are on the couch um, watching, and then Donnie rolls in as the rogue fourth and just switches it all up. There was a scene from an earlier episode where they were watching like a King Kong ripoff and someone came in and changed the channel. And I, as we were watching this, I'm, I thought I was watching the wrong episode because I'm like, I've, this, this happened, happened before. before. Like, I know this happened. I think Mikey did it before, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because Kill Mikey me. wanted to put on the show with uh, the guy that yeah. uh, was his name? Kellerman. Kellerman. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So Mikey would have wow. taste of his own medicine. Yeah, he's yeah. he's getting he's getting one upped. Uh, but Donnie changes it and he changes it to April's special report, of course. And she is where is she, Chris? She is in a military an army base, basically an experimental laboratory, reporting on a new weapon that they have. Yes. And what is that new weapon, John? The new weapon is the most powerful laser in the known universe. That can go through any material and i my question here there's because they put on a little display where it shoots through a brick wall does that laser just go on forever if it can shoot through any material is it just like what happens to the laser i don't know i mean it like went it went right through the brick wall and then went off camera presumably into the universe that's a good question. I don't know the dynamic. I don't know the uh, physics of lasers, but if it's anything like Star Wars, I think it doesn't like go through. I think it just ends when it hits something, right? In Star yeah. Wars, yeah. But yeah. to John's point, the animation did have a this. The difference has been we've only seen laser blasts and not a continuous beam, so this beam kept going. True. But uh, yeah, you guys are absolutely right. So April's at an army testing lab um, and they're revealing a new super laser. And I mentioned uh, Thunder and Lightning and then John dropped his Joe Dirt reference, which we didn't get. But um, that was significant because the lightning um, strikes, electrical storm is happening in Manhattan and it strikes um, something to interrupt the broadcast. So uh, I think it's a control panel in my mind or some sort of box, but... uh, at the end of the day, 
the broadcast is interrupted and the laser starts to go berserk. Uh, I wrote laser goes to 11. Um, <laughs> and what we find out is in that electrical storm um, and in the control panel being struck, there's a robot alien that has emerged. And what is the military's first reaction? Fucking shoot that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right Blast now. that sucker. Take it down. I think is exactly what they say. Quote, take it down. Um, but this robot alien vaporizes all their guns like instantly. So this, this seemingly most powerful laser on earth is, um, and in the military base that they're in is getting absolutely owned by whatever this alien robot is. And we don't really know a whole lot yet, but, um, it vaporizes the military soldiers guns and, um, the new military laser, the super laser, um, is fired upon the robot alien. And all it does is tickle the alien <laughs> or the robot. Sorry. Um, it tickles him. And then the robot proceeds to melt the super laser, uh, on the spot. Yeah. yeah. Which, so I don't know if you guys caught it. They, they said that the military weapon required one billion or one gigawatt to power up the laser that it had. So I, I did, I was like, I don't know what a gigawatt is. So I did, did you guys look up and see how much power that actually is? All right. So a gigawatt is 1 billion watts. And that also means nothing to me. So <laughs> a comparison is a gigawatt is enough power to power 800, 76,000 homes for one year or one medium city for a year. It is also equivalent to uh, 1.21 lightning strikes, the amount of electricity in a lightning strike. So if we Wait, do well, lightning strikes are fucking powerful lightning strikes, 1.21 lightning strikes equals one gigawatt on average. Holy shit. No wonder so, people die when they get struck. Yeah, I was thinking, I was I was doing a little, uh, what do they call it, napkin math here. So if you recall, Krang is from Dimension X and opened a portal to get the Technodrome here. This robot guy seems to have come through a similar portal. So if we take into account that the building was drawing one gigawatt for the army machine, and the pole got struck by lightning, increasing the gigawatts to roughly two. It takes about two gigawatts to open a portal to another dimension. Wow. That's some fucking profound math right there. Yeah. So Crane basically needs a gigawatt to get the Technodrome up and running. I'm it would appear. Just, why do we not just try to harness lightning? You're telling me that one lightning strike could power 875,000 homes for a year? I'm telling you what I looked up on Google. And the more I hear that <laughs> fact, the more incorrect it sounds. Okay? <laughs> so maybe the lightning one isn't accurate. I didn't dig too deep. I was just making a list. It also said it was what the flux capacitor from uh, Back to the Future needed to get the, the DeLorean back in time. But I know it's enough to power 876,000 ohms for a year. That I know. 
Well, if uh, the podcast just abruptly ends, DMT Shellcast ceases to exist, it's because we figured out how to harness the power from lightning and we're billionaires. So, yeah. Um, well, Point well. is, a lot of power. A lot of power fired at this alien thing and it didn't, this robot, he didn't even yeah, flinch. And, and if you didn't watch the episode, Chris's comment actually, uh, you know, subconsciously is a great uh, little teaser for later in this episode. So, follow that in the back of your brain. Um, but either way, this robot alien is just owning the entire military base, essentially. And uh, all the while, the turtles are watching this um, on TV. So they, um, excuse me, Crane, uh, they know like Crane is going to want this, this alien robot because it is powerful, it's destructive, it is destroying things. And so the turtles know Crane's going to be after it. Um, and then we get a cutscene, and lo and behold, what is Crane doing? Chris, his favorite uh, nighttime activity. He's watching April on the news. Yeah, so he gets all his intel from April, which is a funny like twist in this whole, or not twist, but consistency in this whole series. Is April essentially is you know leads Crane and Shredder to the turtles um, by accident with their news reports, but regardless, um, Crane recognizes as he's watching this, he, he's looking at the robot and he, he recognizes that the robot's neck appears to be the, its most vulnerable part of its, uh, you know, built. So his, his plan is to place an invention he has called the docilator, which, uh, very straightforward. It's to make things, um, docile and controllable. So that docilator, um, oh yeah, you didn't get that? <laughs> Come on, that's all you. Can. No, I thought it was most like obvious name. An oscillator, but the, like the D dash oscillator or something. Well, Damn. the the oscillator um, is is uh, allows Crane to override the programming of the robot, so that's how he will ultimately control it. Um, and there's a hilarious line. Shredder, I, I laughed out loud. Yeah. I rarely laugh out loud because I, I think a lot of the jokes are like kid oriented, but this was fucking hilarious. And Chris, why don't you hit us with the uh, the delivery? Yeah. So tough times for Krang. He points out that the neck is the weakest part of the robot. And I think he kind of goes like, what's that uh, we're looking at? Kind of asking Shredder. And Shredder goes, neck, you know, you would know if you had one. <laughs> so basically, he's calling Krang a no neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the only caveat with the oscillator is its batteries don't last that long, apparently. So it's that's its one vulnerability. Um, A point which Krang makes abundantly clear. Let's be let's be aware for later discussions. Krang is aware that this thing runs out of batteries pretty quick. the The funny part too is that, like, Krang gives this thing to Shredder, and Shredder's like, "Oh, you, I, you just had that line around, did we?" As in, like, I don't know. Well, who was Crane hoping to use this on this dos- this thing that makes things docile? Yeah, so that that was the joke I actually laughed out loud at because he it, it was very brief, but he goes, yeah, he says like, "Did you just invent this, or has this been lying around?" Because I think in his mind he's like, "Is was Crane going to use this on me, like to control yeah. me, or to control like, you know?" So that that I thought was funny. Um, but to John's point, Crane is again sending his cronies Shredder. Bebop and Rocksteady to head topside to execute his plan. And Krang is in 
he's he's got no respect right now because I don't know if you guys caught it. When he first sees the robot, he says, like, I want it. And Bebop and Rocksteady make a joke, and they're like, well, maybe if you're good, you'll get it for Christmas. So he's got Bebop and Rocksteady making fun of him. Shredder immediately calls him no neck like two seconds later after that. So he's after last episode, he's he seems to have toppled from the top of the uh, leaderboard there. He has. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of last episode, uh, which was called April Fool, we've got a cutscene to um, Channel Six, and or I'm sorry, we have a cutscene to April in the chaos of the military facility. So she is still reporting as all this laser blasting and melting and alien robots are going on. Um, Also, shout out to the Channel 6 cameraman. This motherfucker keeps his focus on April and the reporting and is getting like perfect uh, action shots of everything that's going on while also not getting vaporized. That is work. Yeah. Yeah, just, I mean, I hate to say it, but I think Byrne is just, he's just riding his his uh, employees. So I don't think they have a choice, even if they want to leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, with, the, with the way he, I'm just he saying if, the show. If a, a robot from another dimension shows up and starts shooting, I'm putting that camera down and I'm getting the F out of there. There's no chance I'm sticking around. Yeah, for sure. But credit to April for getting this is her second legitimate story in a row now. Yeah. She went from the embassy to like military weapon reporting. She's moving up in the world. Yeah. And she's in the midst of whatever is happening now. And um, and what happens next actually is the robot, uh, and I put this in quotes, rescues her, or he says he's rescuing her. Um, but in reality, it, se- it seems apparent that he's actually capturing her or fighting with her um it's it's hard to tell um but the turtles are watching all this on live tv and they the the four of them hop off the couch run out of the layer like front door i'm going to call it front whatever tunnel and then we get fight music like fight music starts playing in the sewer and then (laughs) like as if they literally just went upstairs they're at the military facility and it's been like a few seconds after the robot has engaged with april so definitely could have been a little bit better on the writing side because this continuity error is not uh, the greatest but uh regardless the, the turtles sense the urgency and that's really the point i'm making here is they fly out of the sewer um, and they get to april as soon as possible because they know she's in imminent danger and yet to the I point was just like the turtles, <laughs> as what I probably just like watching this all unfold on television. And it's not until April gets like seized is where they spring into action. Like, don't you think, hey, being from another dimension, like let's start going over there. They're just like glued to the television being like, holy fuck, look at all this. What's happening? <laughs> I thought about that too, but then I remember all the times April is just like bailed on the turtles and splinter because she has to file her news report and like, mm-hmm. So I think bad friend April is getting a little bit of taste of her own medicine. Plus the turtles don't seem to care about crime until it's directly impacting them. Yes. For the most part, there's been a couple instances like they stopped the robbery, but they, the military 
I mean, the city's been torn apart a lot of times, and usually they're only caring because April was involved. That's a good point. Um, but they, they arrive, and I put it in my show notes here. It's a monster shootout between the robot and the turtles. But Leo has a plan. So John, John Sporton is Leo uh, Regalia today. Um, Leo and Mikey are going to create a diversion. And meanwhile, Donnie and Raph are going to flank the robot. So that's the plan. I mean, pretty straightforward. But Leo being the leader, he drops that. Um, So they they take off um, across the facility. And the robot, as intended, starts firing at them. Donnie and Raph are flanking, um, but and right before, I think it looks like Raph is going to take his size and just drive it right into the robot's head, like he did with the Mausers. Um, but the robot catches both of them and hold, like holds them up. And again, this is in the first couple minutes. Like it, it appears as if Donnie and Raph could be killed. Yeah, they're in the they're in so, the Undertaker chokehold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if you guys remember, this is this plan. Not a great plan. This is the second time they've implemented this split up and one crew sneaks around plan. The first time, if you remember, was the fifth turtle when they were trying to get into uh, the the That's right. whatever the lab or whatever. And mm-hmm. basically, the same thing happened there, where the team that was supposed to be sneaking around just instantly got caught. You never miss an opportunity, Chris, to bring up the fifth turtle. He loves he it. Loved that episode. It's, it's for whatever reason. <laughs> I didn't really like like that. I wasn't that episode just blew like whatever to me, but I think because I hosted it, it's just burned into my brain yeah. that I can't forget any any of the details from it. <laughs> well, details uh, as you mentioned that uh, are important because the robot, as, as it catches Donnie and Raph, um, and looks like they're about to be killed, Mikey just walks out into the open. And he, so he decides to reveal himself and he channels his inner hippie and he hits the robot with a peace dude. And he goes like this, like a Nixon, um, is that Nixon? Yeah. Uh, a Nixon look. And I mean, lo and behold, it actually works. So how nobody knows, but Mikey just had a sixth sense that this robot, um, respects peace and, um, and he stops fighting and he drops wrath and Donnie, and then he, and then Mikey high fives him. So they're like three, all three fives him, yeah. three fives him, high right. three, high threes him, yeah, high threes him. Um, so we go from potentially everyone dying to now the the turtles have befriended this alien robot, which throws a wrench in Krang's plan. So um, we learn in in the dialogue that ensues between the turtles and the robot that. The robot's name is MAC, M-A-C-C, which stands for Mobile Armored Computerized Combatant. And he is from Sector 4, Level 8, and from the future, actually. He's from uh, 2390 AD. Which, credit to the writers here, a lot of times you get these shows and they go into the future and they don't go far enough. And you're like, 100 years, like we're already 30 years there. There's no way this is going to be real. They, It feels like they went far enough into the future for this guy. Yeah. And the portal 
I think when you see Mac come through, it looks very lush and like nature has returned to being very at one with whatever exists out there. It does. It does. He but, looks pretty uh, cool too. He's got a Wally vibe going on. Yeah, I actually like his uh I like his look a lot, especially his head. I think they did a good job at uh I mean designed the whole thing, but he's he's a he's a good looking robot. I like the treads I, personally, John. I'm sure you agree. Yep. Chris Big Tread guy. Um I also want to say when he's firing lasers, he got he's got like arm things that shoot, but then he's got little compartments in his arms that then pop out lasers that then also have compartments that have lasers, so it's like three levels deep. It reminds me of when you know those little um like rubber hands that you put on your fingertips and you have like five it's like a hand on your finger, you have like five fingers, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? It's like that. That was to remind me of just having a lot of those on your hands that are all lasers. Yeah, he's definitely decked out or it's decked out in um defense and offensive weapons. Um but as this discussion's going on, the military gr- military is regrouping, which everyone seems to be forgetting about and they launch an offensive on Mac and the turtles. Um, but Mac makes quick work of it. He shoots the, uh, I forget what those things are called. The roll rolling doors, like in a warehouse. Um, he shoots the latch and it closes on the, the soldiers that are firing upon them. And then, um, Donnie at that point suggests that Mac come back to the lair since he's not safe topside. And credit to the army. There's like, Every time they show up, it's a different sector of the army, it feels like. <laughs> There's some normal grunts that like the military police yeah. were there, and then, I don't know, the Navy or whoever showed up. So they're throwing everything they got at them. Yeah. Which is like four people. Yeah. They all work in tandem. Leo asks Mac um, as they are about to depart for the lair. So he asks Mac why he's speaking with a cowboy dialect. Or cowboy accent, uh, Western. I don't know. I don't know the ag- how to actually say that in a uh, yeah dialect way. is right. Western dialect. Western dialect. So he he <clears throat> has arrived and he's speaking. He's speaking uh, throughout his whole um, opening scene here with a cowboy dialect at times. And Mac says the reason he has a Western dialect is because there is not much to watch on a long interdimensional trip, except ancient western movies so that brings us to our reptile draft of cowboy things so in this segment we will be drafting things that scream cowboy and i left this general uh in general i've left it vague because uh, i want to see what everybody would come up with uh, but we're gonna have a little fun here so Chris, since you're the youngest, you will not be going first. Damn. Ooh. That was, uh, I perked up for a second there. I know, I saw that. Uh, John, I'll have John go first, uh, then Chris, and then I will be the anchor um, for this reptile draft. How does that work? Perfect. That works. Okay. Sorry, so, sorry, I, John. yeah, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of things to consider here. And I'm going to play it pretty safe on the first pick and I get the benefit of seeing how you guys go. But number one, one Oh one, I'm picking cowboy hats. Just classic. If you think of a cowboy, you can think 10 gallon 
you can think five gallon or even a one gallon cowboy hat <laughs> if you want. But I just think, especially for people that actually rock a cowboy hat, nothing looks better while you're riding a horse than if you just got a sweet ass hat on. Provides ample sun protection, looks cool. You can get custom ones where they like do the folds and everything. I love cowboy hats. So that to me just screams cowboy. Yeah. Nothing screams fake cowboy like somebody wearing a cowboy hat that shouldn't be. There's no way to, you can't fake it. Either are a cowboy and it looks good or you're not and you're just shopping for groceries in a cowboy hat and you click an idiot. Great pick, John. I mean, yeah. you had to go with cowboy hat. Yeah, to hard to beat the hat. <clears throat> so, with my first pick, I had hat on there, obviously, little on the nose, but I don't blame John. I am going with what is perhaps the most essential thing to a cowboy, and that is his horse. So you can't have one without the other. It's usually his trusty steed. A lot of the famous cowboys, their horses are just as famous. It's what they use to do their job. It's what, a lot of times, what they're herding or whatever they're doing, whatever cowboys do. So a trusty horse for a cool cowboy can't really beat it. Yeah. I mean, who... Uh, do you have? Do you know any famous uh, cowboy horse names? So I'm um, struggling in the moment. I think Silver <laughs> was Ohio Silver. I think is from a horse. Um, I'm sure there are others that I don't. Isn't that Ohio Silver? Is that Don Quixote? It might be Don Quixote. Or I know some Zora? famous Civil War horses, but those aren't necessarily cowboy horses. Yeah. The point is, Andrew. Despite you calling me out in the moment, <laughs> there are many famous cowboy horses. I yeah. personally like the painted horses, which are I too. speckled. Yes. They're kind of cool. Appaloosas or whatever. I don't know. I'm just naming oh, horses yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, would, I would say, just as to throw some water on your... Uh, actually, no, no, I'm not going to. Because I'm, I'm, I'm making a distinction between a cowboy and a rancher. Where I feel like a rancher is more apt to drive around like the gator sort of quad things around because they're not necessarily on the horses herding cows and such. So, well, good on you, Chris. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, th- I still think you can be a cowboy and a rancher. You know what I mean? Like a, a rancher hires cows. Cowboys okay. work on a ranch. Yes. All right. Well, there we go. Now we know. All right. Well, uh, some good ones. So far, but uh, I am happy to say my first and second pick are still on the board. So my first pick, um, I have to go with it. I'm glad it's still here. It's the cowboy boot. So again, very important. And I'll give you a little history on the cowboy boot as well. Mm. So um, during the cattle drive era of the 1860s to the 1880s, um, Cowboys were wearing dress boots to do their work. And uh, that obviously wasn't wasn't cutting it. So uh, in the 1860s is when we first start, I'm sorry, the 1880s is when we first start to see that diversion to a more um, specified boot specifically for cowboys. And um, the modern cowboy boot that we know today arrived in the 1940s. So about, you know, 80 years after they started on this path. Like the hat, I think uh, 
cowboys wearing boots are, I mean, that's an everyday thing, but you see a lot of posers wearing cowboy boots to things like country music concerts. John, do you want to maybe share some uh, insight on your, your trips to the country music festivals? Uh, yes. I am also going to tread lightly on posers wearing cowboy boots because I know Southern culture, people do love their boots and not all of them are cowboys. But yes, uh, especially up here in the New England, uh, you know, people like to say that they're country, but in reality, you're really not. So they get all gussied up when they go to these country music concerts and people love to uh, wear their cowboy hats and their cowboy boots. Yeah. And I think in my mind, the distinction between a cowboy boot for a cowboy is that's what they wear. That's their everyday footwear. For the most part, you know what I mean? Like that's what they're wearing nine to five. So if, if you go to work and you're wearing cowboy boots nine to five, though, I'm not going to call you a poser, but if you're going to, and I see it out here too, like um, yep. music festivals, you see the hats, the boots, the low rise, you know, jeans, the low cut shirts. It just, the it's not, dukes. it's not authentic. And there so, are different kinds of boots for different kinds of work there are and that's uh one thing i was going to mention is you know the spur is a uh, you know when chris mentioned the horse i think one of the most iconic looks for a cowboy is the boots with the spurs so that he can drive them into the horse to have him have he, he or she do what the cowboy wants it to do yeah boots so. with the spurs not to be confused with boots with the fur yeah and i knew not that was coming as soon as you <laughs> opened your mouth and knew it <laughs> And then, um, I, don't, I don't know why, and I honestly don't even know much about this. So for my second pick, I don't know much about this topic, honestly, but it, when I thought of the reptile draft of cowboy things, it was one of the first things that came to mind, and it is Buffalo Bill. So Chris, being the history buff, could probably tell you a whole lot more um, than I can, but Buffalo Bill, who was uh, born William Frederick Cody, in 1846, he was a soldier, a bison hunter, and a showman. Um, and he, what is his legacy? I know the Buffalo Bills are named after him. Yeah, he's uh, mostly but, known now for his Buffalo Bills Wild West. It was a traveling show similar to a circus where he would basically parade around putting on feats of the Old West from what he, quote unquote, did as a buffalo hunter. So Annie Oakley, like trick shot artists, that kind of stuff. Um, probably like the, I'd imagine similar to a precursor to like modern rodeos and stuff would be Buffalo Bill. Yeah. So that's my second pick. Love it or hate it. I mean, there's, this guy did a lot. Like he won medals for like, you know, he fought in the American Indian War where he was you know, received medals. He also like did a whole bunch of uh, trading with uh, natives in Canada, I think too. So guy was, did a whole lot. And I think at the end of the day um, was one of the early icons for Cowboys and maybe not the most memorable now, but definitely helped set the stage in the 18, late 1800s for Cowboy life. It's a good pick. I think if you had to name a famous Western Cowboy guy, he'd be at the top. Yeah. So. so now, with it coming back to me, this may be a little early for this, but 
when I think of a true cowboy, I think of a campfire. And they're out, they're roughing it, you know, they're after a, a hard day of driving cattle, everybody gathers around the campfire and does, I don't want to give other picks away, but does stuff that you do around a campfire. So campfire, who doesn't love a campfire? The cowboy certainly does. So campfires. Yes. I believe I also took campfires in the best things of summer draft as well. But a fun, a little fun fact about campfires and cowboys. Um, On jeans, people wear jeans. I assume you both wear jeans at some point in your life. Around the pockets, there's these little steel rivets that hold the fabric together. Well, my friends, there used to be a steel rivet right where, right in the crotch, right where the, right in the gullet the where the seam meets right <laughs> below the taint there used to be a little steel rivet there to hold the fabric together but wouldn't you know cowboys sitting around a campfire would be sitting there and you know what's indirect the balls would be roasting yeah that little <laughs> metal rivet would heat up and then you'd stand up and you'd get a little scar you get a little burn on your sack wow so they stopped doing that holy shit because of cowboys did, did you know Thank this you, or cowboys. did you look this up no, I, I learned that in a history class. Thank you, Mr. Wow. Lapierre. I think that would wow. be uncomfortable in a lot of situations, like riding yeah. a horse. So, yeah. Yeah. Campfires. I like it. Campfires, I definitely... We're painting a picture here. You know, we yeah. are... You know, we got a cowboy wearing his 10-gallon hat, <laughs> riding his horse, hi-ho silver, and uh, wearing the best cowboy boots known to man, sitting around a campfire after a long day of ranching on the fa- on the ranch. So yes, and but ranching on the ranch—that's what cowboys with, do. With my next pick, <laughs> to me, do you get two in a row? Oh yeah, yeah it comes back. No, yeah. Two, yeah, yeah, he gets. Yep. Yeah, and then comes back. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with uh, having a piece of wheat. In your mouth, ooh, just that little mm, I know. silver, little golden wheat thing, just chewing on. That's that's farmer to me. Hello there, Miss Lady. How you doing? Yeah, she. And you got the little wheat yeah. <laughs> hanging out of your mouth. I think that's farm. That's farmer. It's more is more cowboy to me. I think it's more cartoon to me. I don't know anyone that actually does that, but yeah. So I'm going a little piece of wheat. All right. All and right. then I'm I'm going for <laughs> for my next Sounds one. rattled. He's rattled. No, I'm not rattled. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Wheat I, didn't I like go over wheat. like he wanted it to. No, I like the wheat. It, here's my next one. I so when Andrew immediately texted, I was like, man, cowboys to me, Wild West sort of outlaws the little, you know lawless little western towns anything goes i'm picking dueling at high noon oh that was my next pick it was a standoff oh. a cowboy standoff yeah dueling at high noon to me is just you know the gun prowess and the tricks i think is what you need andrew do you know why they duel at high noon um 
I would have to guess it has something to do with the shadow. You don't have a shadow cast and therefore you can shoot more accurately or something. Yes, it is. So neither shooter has the sun in their eyes. Yeah. At high noon so that there's no advantage. So I'm picking dueling at high noon. Shit. I had a lot of money in the high noon basket and now it's gone. John Alston, I mean, did he take two picks with one? Maybe. 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 What do you mean? What? Dueling and high noon. Dueling at high noon. You tell me high noon. High noon. John, have you ever heard high noon outside of cowboy lore? (laughs) No, you haven't. (laughs) What? (laughs) And he took boots with the spurs. He took boots and spurs. Yeah, well, those go together, John. I mean, I had them two separate on my list. So I... Damn. I was not prepared to not have that pick there. Yeah, neither was I. <laughs> like I'm scratched. I'll be honest. I didn't even. I was so confident going into this. I didn't even really put a list together. I had something different. I want around my brain. So, I had a lot on my list. I have. All right. So this. Hmm, okay. You know what? This could be a controversial. Pick. We're going with chili. What do cowboys eat around a campfire? What did they invent? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> they invented chili. Did they? Some with beans, some with meat. You can put a big pot over a fire. They probably stole it from Mexican culture, I would imagine. Yeah, Spanish. Um, yeah, Spanish culture. But chili, listen, if you want good chili, and if the person making it's wearing a cowboy hat, you you know it's good. So, well, oh. So you might argue, of course, that <laughs> cowboy had the lens, the lens credence no. to chili making. <laughs> I mean, at the very end, at the very end, yeah, you just you just shot yourself in the foot. Though. But at high noon, you shot yourself. I say that because noon. it has to be around a campfire where cowboys would be sitting. So the campfire really brings everyone together. Well, Chris. Do you know if Cowboy Chili had beans or no beans? The OG. No beans. No really? beans in the Cowboy Chili. The no beans thing is something I just in the last year realized was like a debate in Chili. I it's always thought Texas there was red. Yeah, yeah, I always thought there were beans in Chili. But apparently authentic Chili has no beans. No beans. Which I actually would prefer, honestly. For but my what else? Is like onion, pepper, and just meat? I feel like there needs to be a starch in there beans are not a starch so five uh, whatever fiber i meant something starchy beans are starchy maybe Mm. whatever andrew you're big so okay (laughs) chili i love it um subscribe one (laughs) i just don't know if that screams cowboy to me unfortunately chili Yeah. <laughs> what if I said this cowboy chili cook off? You never heard that those three words strung together? I'm just saying if you're picking a food, I'm not going chili. My yeah. Fucking firefighters took a little bit of the chili yeah. way too. And and like um Chris, why did you even bring up fire? I, I wasn't even I thinking about say, that. Everyone's thinking it. I'll be yeah. honest. Firefighters <laughs> and um like fairs, like where they have the chili cook off where just like anybody can enter and they win a prize. I'm like they've yeah, yeah, we've embraced chili yeah. in the United States. Yeah. Chef Susie is not a cowboy. I'm telling you that, but she makes a damn fine chili. Well, 
I don't know either. John's just dropping like things that nobody has any clue what he's talking about. Yeah, Chef <laughs> Jesus. I'm just saying she's entering into the local fair contest, but she makes a good chili. She's yeah, not a gotcha. cowboy. <laughs> Even if she has oh. a hat on. Well, this is the last pick, right? Yeah. Or does yeah. it come back one more time? Okay, so this is the finale. And I feel um I feel like the duel was my way to end it on a high note. Um, and like Chris, I didn't really have a backup. So I'm going with whiskey because when I think old Western films, they're sitting around a campfire shooting whiskey. Yeah. Or they walk into the saloon saloon. Yeah. Right before they're going to kill. Yeah. Before they do the high noon duel, the double door swings open. Yeah. Yeah. And he orders some chili and a shot of whiskey. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going whiskey, and um, my favorite whiskey is uh, or let me let me take that back. My daily drinker for whiskey, Basil Hayden's. Yeah, That's I would it. agree. If you pick a beverage, it's whiskey for a cowboy. However, I did learn uh, when I was in Sonoma, uh, Napa, actually at um, Mandavi winery we did the tour there and they told me that cowboys actually drink wine the most because a lot of them on the ranch would would grow their own grapes and you know process their own wine so they drink more wine than whiskey whether is that true i don't actually know somebody told me that so take it with a grain of salt yeah as a recapitulation i had cowboy hats a piece of wheat in your mouth and dueling at high noon i had horses I had a campfire and everyone's favorite chili with no beans. And, uh, I had, I had whiskey, I had Buffalo bill and I had cowboy boots. So feeling, feeling pretty good about my picks. I'm just going to toss out some honorable mentions here. Yeah, let's do it. Um, why had spurs Andrew kind of took that. I had just being an outlaw. I feel like that's very cowboy. Like what I would have taken Riding off into the sunset. Ooh, that's a good you one. You don't only cowboys. No one else does that. No one else. One, there's no horizon anywhere. I'm speaking in the U.S. Other than the, the West, where you can actually the plains, where you can ride off into a sunset. I also just realized that they're riding off into the sunset because it's west, and cowboys go west. Oh, yes. I never. Yeah. I just realized that now. Yeah. Um, I also had cowboy caviar. I had that for dinner a couple nights. Delicious. And then if we were if the draft started going this way, I was gonna pick the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. I don't know if that's a popular pick anymore, but America's team. Not terrible. Chris, do you have any honorable mentions? I had a couple. I had Western music, Mm -hmm. Campfire Song, Little Western Music. I had Quinn Eastwood, the king of all the Uh, Cowboys. Yeah, see, I was gonna say never do it. I had rodeos. Who doesn't like a little rodeo? And I had ranches. John mentioned being a rancher. So. You know what you should actually pick? Tumbleweeds also I had. Yeah. Sergio Leone. You should have drafted that. Movie ever. What if yeah. I yeah, if I just did the whistle? That would have been sweet. <laughs> I don't know how you put that on a graphic, but that would be yeah. cool. <laughs> I did not have a whole lot of honorable mentions, but um, John 
the one thing I had that was kind of related to dueling at high noon was like just the spinning of the pistol, like before you holster it, you know, just yeah. like a quick, like the quick showing off thing, not necessarily. Yeah. Um, and then I was also going to say native Americans, cause as kids you played cowboy and Indians is what we called it, which is obviously not, um, uh, politically correct, politically correct. Yes. Thank or you. Or even accurate because yeah. Yeah. Wrong so yeah. So I do think there's a strong association there. And unfortunately, you know, it's not a great one in terms of historical, um, outcome, but there's that. And then I also was considering drafting the American Buffalo because I think I, I didn't want to hit two Buffaloes in, in my picks, but I think <laughs> Buffaloes and Cowboys to me are like salt and pepper. I mean, yes. why not just draft cows at that point? Because bison well, are cooler than cows. Yeah, bison are cooler. <laughs> bison were well, systematically obviously. harvested to eliminate Native Americans. So, yeah, not too happy. No, but the good news is that they're on the rebound. And um, uh, actually, I, I know it specifically in Wyoming and a lot of the Great Plains states, they're uh, trying to reintroduce bison for the ecosystem because they're very important in um, the, contributing to the fertile soil in those parts of the, the U.S. So that's uh, taking dumps for you noobs out there. Also for eating grasses in yeah. the grass ones because it growing grass absorbs more CO2 and puts out more oxygen than trees do, which is why we're not going to get into it. But if you look into the cloning of the woolly mammoth, they believe that would help with carbon emissions. Yeah. And I think the other thing on the woolly mammoth is because it is so large that it also helps compact the uh, the soil density. So, yep. which contributes to something. I don't know. but Chickens are also uh, very effective at like just digging up little topsoil. Very good for making um, soil able to grow crops. Yeah, plus I think they, they have high nitrogen in their chicken poop, which is also good for growing a lot of... I believe crops. at one point Chris claimed he was going to get chickens. No, I said I have a chicken coop, but I would I was thinking of chickens, but I did not get them. Because, not to get too down the rabbit hole, but my <laughs> dog has had issues with eating bird poop in the past. So, yeah, <laughs> got to keep them off it. My dog as well. <laughs> Bird poop? How do you even? Yeah. Duck poop. Yeah, or the goose, fat goose poop. Yeah, yeah, like goose I have, poop. I have a lot of birds around here that he just eats the poop. Yeah. Well, Hubert, uh, I hope he's not licking your face at night. <laughs> no. um, but regardless, that wraps up our reptile draft of cowboy things. And some some might say that the winner of that web trial draft, reptile WAP. <laughs> <laughs> may get a pizza power-up or they may not get a pizza power-up. Yes. So um, thank you, John, because I would like to let everyone know that uh, your gracious Shellcast host here uh, recorded a, a another bonus episode, which is exclusive to our YouTube channel. So head on over to YouTube and uh, search for TMNT Shellcast and you will find not only our two bonus episodes, um, but you'll also find every single episode that we've recorded to date 
where we share the podcast in video format. So check it out if you haven't already. It's fun. Um, you get a whole different dynamic. But specifically, this bonus episode was on the pizza power-ups, which I teased and we talked about um, the last two episodes, but we formalized our plan. Um, and I'm not going to go into detail here, but we have four power-ups. John, what are those four power-ups? The four power-ups are the respin, the combo slice, the party pizza, party pizza, party pizza. the party pizza and the ink and the odds increase. Yes. So the idea uh, with the power-ups is for the pizza time wheel spin segment, Shellcast hosts can use one of these power-ups that they've earned from winning a segment or, um, you know, earned just throughout the various episodes. They can redeem those power-ups at the wheel and either enhance their wheel spin uh, experience or maybe make it a little bit more difficult or less, uh, you know, less gratifying for somebody else that's spinning the wheel. Yes. So uh, we are we're constantly innovating here at TMNT Shellcast. Um, but to John's point, I will award a power-up for this segment. I would like you guys to repeat your picks for the Reptile Draft one more time. I, John, you first? Yes. I took cowboy hats. I took a piece of wheat in your mouth, and I took dueling at high noon. And I took horses, campfire, and chili with no beans. Beanless chili. <laughs> okay, and I'm going to go um, to start things off. I'm just going to pick our base power-up, which is the respin, right? Yep. Uh, and I'm awarding the respin to John. Oh, <laughs> I mean, obviously. That was just, yeah. Well, I will There's say, John, you had mutiny if that didn't happen. Well, I the reason I chose you is because dueling at high noon, I had it on my list, and Chris did too. So in my mind, if all three of us um, had that as our, you know, as our pick, then you got to take home a power up. So, John, congratulations, first ever pizza power up awarded. You have a respin. Thank you very much, and, and you're just gonna to- need it. Yeah, 50,000 foot view. You can use these power-ups for yourself or against other people. So we'll get there. Yes, yes. Very good. Well, uh, we'll return back to the episode recap. So if you recall, uh, Mac has arrived on Earth. He um, began um, defending himself against the military that was testing their super laser and proceeded to uh, pwn all of the military folks, met with the turtles, and have decided to head to the lair because that's where he will be safest. Um, and the turtles have certainly befriended him at this point. So, um, as they are heading out of the military building to head to the lair, Mac disappears through a hole in the floor, which was cut by none other than shredder bebop and rocksteady. So he drops down into the basement shredder slaps the oscillator on Mac's neck and has the most powerful weapon on earth, according to Donnie under his control. So this is exactly what the turtles did not want to happen at the start of this episode. And it, here we are not even halfway in and, uh, they're, they're kind of fucked and perfectly, perfectly executed by the trio. 
simple, effective. Nobody saw it coming. They didn't waste any time. Very, very impressive move. Yes, and I will say, I think this is the f- one of the few times all four, Krang, Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady are on their A game. So Krang with the plan, Shredder um, uh, you know, being in command for Bebop and Rocksteady, like everybody's on their A game to this point, which is important to note. The Turtles, uh, seeing their, their, their new friend fall into the basement, they rappel uh, down a level, and Shredder orders Mac to destroy the Turtles. So remember, the Docilator allows um, the robot's programming to be overridden. And so now, in theory, Shredder is the commander of Mac. So uh, he commands Mac to destroy the turtles. And uh, unfortunately, Mac does not comply. And he just slaps off the docilator on his neck. It looked like for a brief second he was about to just open fire. Um, but he is somehow able to overcome the Docilator, knock it off, and uh, foil Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady's plan. And not only that, but what happens in the immediate next scene, John? That is a good question. Yeah. Wow. Let me jump in here because John is stupefied. (laughs) Uh, Not only does he slap off the Docilator, he then turns on Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady, shooting at their feet, in a very cowboy-esque move, making them dance, to which Bebop and Rocksteady reply, do you want a tango or a foxtrot? And then they dance their way into a transport module, module, and off they go. Yes. Yes. Thanks, John. (laughs) Um, That's what I I was going to say. So... uh, Immediately after that, there's some more dialogue, and we learn that Mac was a factory reject in his dimension, uh, in his time, because he does not like violence, believe it or not. Um, and if you recall, April is here at the military um, location, and she was filming, and she happens to now be kind of eavesdropping or engaging with, uh, at the very least, engaging a little bit with Mac, and she decides that she is going to record an exclusive interview because this is the story of the century. Alien robot, um, and she wants to run with it. So that's exactly what happens. Um, But in a separate timeline, back in the Technodrome, Crane is verbally assaulting Shredder on his latest failure. So he is just riding Shredder into the ground, blaming him for the mess up which is very Kring-like been very Shredder-like to mess up. So, And it is hard to know whose fault the Dosswader failing was. Was yes. it properly applied? Did the batteries I, die? It's very was it not powerful well, enough? It's hard, it's hard to know, John. It, was, it is hard to know up to this point, but then Kring says he has made a new and improved Dosswader, which in my mind uh, means that he his first version was suboptimal because this new one cannot fail according to him. But I'm I'm just gonna throw it out here. I I think Crane had a docilator in his pocket ready to go. But he but maybe he just didn't know the level of robot that he was going up against. So it's not like it was perfect and it was what it was and it worked for a time being and then he needed to make improvements. So Yeah. You're not gonna nail it the, on your first time out. The will and I it's rare that I do this anti crane comment, but 
if he knew, if that were the case, John, how would he have the second one ready so quickly? So the fact that he just pulls out the second one instantly makes me think he knew the first one probably wasn't good enough. Yeah. And was working on one while Shredder was away. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So. And Shredder's on board. I mean, he vows, like he's pledging to retrieve the robot to Crank. Mm-hmm. So he's like, they're working together, uh, which is a rare, you know, rare occurrence, but they're on the same page. So uh, Shredder vows to retrieve the robot. And then Crane does like a cross my heart and hope to die joke uh, with Shredder, <laughs> which again, this was actually funny because uh, when Crane says he vows to retrieve the ro- robot, Crane then says like, do you cross your heart and hope to die? And I think Shredder goes, what heart? And, and Crane's like, I knew I like you Shredder or something like that. Yeah. He basically gave him a, that's my fucking guy. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. my guy. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're riding high. Like they're leaving the technodrome on cloud nine. Um, and it's all hunky dory. Yeah. Down in the, which like, earth. listen, if you're, if you're Krang, right. And shredder, the first plan pretty much flawless worked. Awesome. Just, it's like the receiver dropping an open touchdown pass. Just run the same play again and see what happens. So yeah. I'm in favor as, as simple as it sounds. I'm in favor of this second phase. Yeah. yeah. When things are working out, Everyone is in high spirits. You just had a good success. You had a little fumble, but everyone's laughing and it's funny and it's great. So, yeah. Um, so meanwhile, back at the army testing lab, uh, everyone's departing from the interview that April had just done with Mac and Mac mistakes a TV camera for his brother and calls him number five, uh, which just screams, um, star Wars, like the whole droid thing to me is, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about the Star Wars references, but very prevalent. Um, and then this is funny too. The turtles, uh, to get home, they just ride on Mac's arms, which like extend out. So he's like, <laughs> he's got ultra long arms. He's using his um, treads to go super fast. And the turtles are just sitting there. So two on each arm. And they're just in trench coats now. They didn't wear them to run up to the lab, but now leaving, they just threw on the trench coat disguises. Interesting. I, I a, lot of, not, a lot of space in that shell to pack whatever you need. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and then as any, you know, friends would do, like if I'm in, in an Uber, I, you know, small talk, right? And that's exactly what uh, Mac and the Turtles are doing. And Mac is saying that he would love to learn more about Earth. Like he's very hungry to learn. And what uh, he, he requests like a, Databank repository. Yeah, databank repository. So he asks, you know, where's the nearest databank repository where I can learn more? And Donnie translates that to the public library. Um, So the turtles head with Mac to the public library. And in the next scene, Mac is like speed reading. So he opens a book and he just like flips through the page. Very like cliche, smart, like robot, whatever scene from cartoons. And as he's doing that, lo and behold, a security guard arrives. And he begins to question why the turtles and Mac are there, like essentially in the middle of the night in the library or late at night in the library. And then he recognizes Mac and he recognizes the turtles. Um, and he calls Mac an army asset and he calls the turtles, the crooks who swiped him. And then before the, the guard can even pull his taser or a gun or whatever from his holster, Mac, uh, pants, pants him by vaporizing his belt. <laughs> 
and what happens in, in the immediate next scene john uh well the guard is wearing heart boxers with hearts on them yes which, which is a callback also to what episode chris uh the episode where rocksteady got pants which was not the fifth turtle but i don't know what episode <laughs> it was that was the um the, the anti-gravity boots one i think oh uh, that's right yep big irma episode 50 five. foot irma right tag of the 50 foot irma yep i'm also glad you so i didn't catch that mac had asked like had said that he wanted to learn more because I had a note like, why are they going to the library? What is going on here? That makes no sense in the context of this episode. I watched this episode three times and I missed that every single time, apparently. So yeah. it just, I was like, what are they like? They just have to have him something to do in them. I didn't make sense. Well, this scene is independent of like everything else. And so to your point, it makes no sense. Even if you knew he wanted to go there, why? Like they just need to add a, like three minutes or two minutes to the yeah. episode, I guess. I don't know. Plus like That's his, it. I was, every time they showed the turtles riding his arms, I was just like, this looks so stupid. That's all I could yeah. focus on. I wasn't really listening to what they were saying. Yeah. Um, so they, they head out and they eventually get to layer and the turtles are doing what they did in the fifth turtle episode, which is give a tour of the layer to their, their new friend. And in this case it's Mac. Um, and then Donnie kind of peels Mac off to, um, uh, to his lab because Mac says that he's just feeling like a little off since he's entered this dimension. So something's just not feeling right. Donnie's going to do some tests in his lab. And, uh, meanwhile, on the way to the lab, Mac, accidentally zaps the living room TV. Like there's some like static electricity or something that happens. The TV explodes, which Michelangelo is watching. And then Max says something <laughs> like, oh, like you're primitive, like what a primitive piece of entertainment. And and then Mikey's like, we still have 28 payments left on this thing. What are you talking about primitive? Yeah. So, and one of the legs is being propped up by books, which made me laugh yeah. when you said they had 28 payments left. Yeah. Um, but what uh, Donnie discovers is that Mac has uh, the trip through the interdimension space has caused the circus to, de to deteriorate rapidly. And eventually he's going to explode. And Mac's kind of eavesdropping in the living room as the turtles are discussing this in the bedroom hallway. And he decides like he doesn't want to accidentally harm his new friends. So he's just going to leave. Like he's just going to Irish goodbye the turtles. I love a good Irish goodbye. Yeah. Zill rating. Yeah. It really is. Gone. I have a coworker. And the key is you just got to drop some hints when you no, get the best to wherever you are. Irish no, goodbye. So you don't say anything. Just you just leaving. go. No, no, no. I, no, I know that, but I'm saying it's like you're like, it's not saying goodbye to people, but it's also like at the start, you're like, oh, yeah, like. You know. Got a busy day tomorrow. I got to get up early. Yeah, no, it's like, no, the best Irish goodbye go. is cold turkey. Yeah, just yeah. disappear. They turn around. They're like, where did Chris go? He's been gone for a half an hour. Yeah. I'm home at that point. Yeah. That's know. that's where the exhilarating feeling is because you're like, am I going to get home before they realize I'm gone or are they yeah. going to realize I'm gone before I get home? How far do I get before the text comes in? Where are <laughs> <Yeah>. you? <laughs> Maybe I've never ever Irish goodbye. Irish goodbye, win, buddy. Good luck. Yes, cold turkey just leaving a place and telling no one, like a party, like a big. Oh, I, to me, yeah, it, yeah. I that's know that's what it was, but I always just go like, you know, quick goodbyes. I don't 
I don't yeah. fucking dilly dally. I don't lollygag. Yeah. Well, consider an Irish goodbye next time you want to get the fuck out of a place. Um, but also, I, I fucking hate. It's like when you're somewhere and it's like, all right, we got to start saying goodbye to people. And then it's like an hour fucking later you're leaving. It's like, yeah, God damn it. If you wait till you have kids, because that turns into like Ooh. two hours, because then you have to collect yeah. all the shit. And then the kids, so the ultimate are, excuse to not stay somewhere though. It's like a built yeah. in or kids, not go kids, some, kids, or not yeah. even go somewhere. Yeah. I mean, that is definitely a pro, but the con is when you are somewhere like number one, you have all the shit all the shit all the time you're lugging stuff and then the kids get tired and want to go home but by the time you pack up they're already asleep it's just one of these things mm-hmm. where you know another just one more pro move when somebody has kids and they're making the rounds if you don't want an irish goodbye you just tack on right at the end as they're going out the door and be like yeah i gotta check out too yeah or oh, let me help you bring your like car seat to your car and then you just yeah yeah fucking see you later adios once you're blocked in the driveway then yeah, but never park Chaos in the driveway. Situation. I mean, that's rule number one. Don't park in the driveway. Yeah. You're going to get boxed yeah, if you're stuck, in. If you've got somebody behind you and you're trying to get out of there, nightmare. Yeah. Um, but speaking of getting out of there, Mac does exactly that. So he leaves through. This is an important note um, because he leaves through the, the training room, which sometimes has an exit and sometimes it doesn't, depending on the episode. So um, he leaves through the training room. He's into the sewer and he gets ambushed by two foot soldiers with a yellow emblem on their head. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to the episode that we introduced the foot soldier uh, action figure. I think these foot soldiers get smoked too. Yeah, by, they get, uh, they do. Um, one of them gets like flung in the wall and explodes. Um, but <laughs> and then the other, I think jumps on his neck Um but it's just enough of a distraction that Shredder can roll up and do the exact same thing that he did a few minutes ago, which is slap the Docilator, the new and improved version, uh, Docilator 2.0 on Mac's neck. Yeah, tough. Again, another tough assignment for a foot soldier. You're just cannon fodder for Mac strolling on <laughs> a, through the sewer. You just The first one, what do we got blasted into the wall and exploded into a billion pieces? <laughs> I think the second one might have lived, but I, I don't remember. I just remember I wrote a note, another foot soldier murdered. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, my question here is how the fuck does Shredder know where Mac is? Yeah. I, I, they're I mean, just like, roaming the sewers. Is that the plan? Yeah. Well, well, so that was my question. Like, obviously he knows Mac's with the turtles. So go to the sewers. But if you're in the sewers and you find Mac, wouldn't you be like, well, he must have been coming from the turtles layer. Why don't we go find the turtles at the, you know, or use them right, right now? I don't, I don't know. It's just a weird, a weird point. thing. Cause, cause what happens next is what really confuses me. So instead of bringing him back to the Technodrome, Shredder wants to, uh, take him for a stroll and just have some fun with him for a little bit. So he tells, uh, Bebop and Rex, I think he tells him to just like wait for him or meet him back at the Technodrome. I can't remember exactly what he says, but. Well, Shredder tells Krang that he's going to, I don't know, he doesn't tell no, Krang. So, he basically tells Bebop Mark said, hey, like, we're not going back because we're going to fuck around a little bit with our yeah. new toy. Basically, he says, I'll bring him back after I have some fun with him. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, probably not going to end well, as we know, uh, when orders get disobeyed, but I get it from Shredder's standpoint because it, 
as we mentioned earlier in the episode, he was concerned why Krang even had a Doscillator in the first place and who he was planning to use it on. So I think with that little kind of jolt of like, oh, is Krang eventually just going to use it on me? He's like, I better, I better get everything I want done now that I have the most powerful weapon on Earth. And the first thing um, happens after that is April has delivered her exclusive interview with Mac to Byrne. And Byrne is fucking eating it up, like loving the report. He says that the story on the peace-loving robot from the future is great. So this is the biggest praise that we've seen from Byrne. Um, but wouldn't you know, before the words even leave his mouth, Vernon is running into Byrne's office, which happens to be, I didn't know this, happens to be just to the right of the reception desk at Channel 6, which doesn't seem like the best place for an off uh, manager's desk, but a um, little tidbit there. Either way, Vernon comes in and lo and behold, he's sharing. He turns the TV on and it's Mac now causing destruction in downtown. So Shredder has taken Mac topside and is just blowing shit up, stealing money, you know, you name it. Like think of the most villainous things and Shredder's using Mac to achieve those. It's like a nuclear wasteland up there. Yeah, which it's on listen, fire. If, you, if you're going to disobey orders, he's doing a hell of a job at it because the city is destroyed so credit where credit's due absolutely um so april seeing this and now burn being like pissed because her report obviously is going to carry no weight now that the same robot is destroying the city um she leaves because she wants to cover the story but what she really wants to do is warn the turtles to uh to help her retrieve mac and they're already one step ahead of her because they're driving the turtle van and who's driving it Chris? Mikey is driving the turtle van and yes. not Raph. Yes. So no Raph driving. And Mikey, I feel like we haven't seen him drive the turtle van in a while. Yeah. Yeah. So I like the diversity, but Matt, uh, Mikey is driving and um, already en route to Mac when April calls. And I also want to point out, speaking of turtle van, this is one of the versions that has the second row. Yeah. So, um, not it's it's in the minority anytime the turtle van is shown usually it's just one bench seat in the front this one has like two two rows some may even say a third row because it appears that raf is not even in the second row he's further back huh we haven't seen the turtle van in a while it's been a while yeah especially the interior so um but so they show up and um immediately see Mac and see Shredder and Shredder commands Mac to destroy the turtles as he has uh, so often done before. The turtles have now realized that Mac is under Shredder's control. Um, it's pretty obvious at that point, but uh, now the issue is that Mac is lighting them up and um, shoots the turtle van and uh, the turtles take off and they happen to like hide behind like a, a flipped over car. So they're able to avoid Mac and his destruction, but April shows up at the fucking worst time. But and on her fucking scooter. Yeah. Future. Oh yeah. Like her Vespa. See, I wasn't sure if it was like a futuristic motorcycle or if it was a, um, like a Vespa. 
Yeah, I guess maybe it is a motorcycle. I called it. I, I tried to Google. So I went to the Team Tpedia because yeah. there was a list of the vehicles for the show. Not noted what that thing is called. So I don't even think it has a name. Wow. Notable about it. No helmet. She's not wearing a helmet while riding a motorcycle. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Remember, we're this, you know, we're pro safety podcast. So, mm. in any event, um, Shredder's there and sh- or, uh, April's there and she's rolling footage. And Mac fucking just, he, it's almost like he did it just to piss her off. Like he turns his shoulder and he just like fires one blast and it immediately blows up her entire video camera. So, her whole cover the story thing is not going to work at this point. Which I was thinking as it happened, I was like, she shouldn't have that camera out, which is crazy to film as you're driving. Her head would have exploded, basically. Yeah. But I think that goes to show you, John, that the laser doesn't go through, or some lasers don't go all the way through their um, their target because she would be dead. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Suck on that, John. Yeah. I, what? It was a question. I wasn't, I didn't have a stance no. on it. Oh, you just got disproved. I'm, look at the, la- look at that opening scene tank laser. That thing goes through the brick wall and just keeps going. Not with Max. Um, and the issue here, uh, and Donnie now kind of uh, elaborates on what he was talking about in the layer earlier, which is that Max circuits are deteriorating and he's going to explode. Not only is he going to explode, but his explosion would level the entire city of Manhattan or New York City, whatever, I guess New York City. Yeah. So uh, we talked about gigawatts earlier. Chris covered that. Uh, we're now talking about leveling all of New York City. And I don't even know how big New York City is, but it's fucking big. So this is not good. Not good. We then, this is what John was mentioning earlier, we then get Crane on the horn with Shredder. Um, and they are hiding out in a luxurious hotel. And how did they get there, Chris? They got there because Krang is footing the bill, baby. So Shredder, I thought this was a genius move by Shredder. He said, basically, listen, I'm always in these abandoned buildings. The turtles will never look for me in a, in a luxury high-rise hotel. So he's laying in bed on the phone with Krang, basically telling him he spent off his card for the hotel. Krang is fuming. Yeah, he's, he's like pissed. steaming mad. He's pissed, but he can't do anything because Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady have Mac, and Mac is one of the most powerful things like any of them have ever seen. So even if Krang was like, fuck it, I'm going to go topside and just make make Shredder listen to me, like Shredder could turn Mac on Krang if he wanted to. So Krang's in this weird like, well, I need to bitch at Shredder just so eventually he comes back, but I can't ride him too hard because he may just decide to do his own thing and leave me out of it. Which is not going to be an alien express credit card. I like that. Yeah. 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 Very clever. So we know two things about Krang's financials. One, he has an alien express card. And two, from earlier in the episode, there are Dimension X dollars. So the currency of Dimension X is just the Dimension X dollar, which is also funny to me. Yes. Um, but very villainous I, move. To a lot steal. of currencies are called dollars. Dimension X box. I feel it would be better. Jamaica, Jamaican dollar. 
the chaos on the streets continues, um, or the uh, I'd rather say the um, the after effects of the chaos of the destruction from Mac are still there in uh, on the streets, um, and the turtles are kind of driving, you know, walking through, driving through, and they're trying to find Mac, and they think that he has maybe left them like a breadcrumb trail to find him, or at least Donnie does, I think, or or Leo. And um, they eventually Sometimes make it. Donnie is like, uh, who's the guy from A Beautiful Mind? John Nash. He's just like fucking like trying to pick patterns out of everything. It's like, I think yeah. there's a pattern here, I think. But but it works because they get to the hotel that uh, Shredder, Bebop, Rocksteady, and Mac are at. And they are talking with the manager. And the manager is pissed because he's like, I knew I shouldn't have rented this hotel room because they fucking destroyed it. Like they try to cover their tracks and they made a mess, but uh, conveniently there's burn marks from somebody's foot. It looks like um, leading down the stairs. So at least the turtles can follow the, the remnants of whoever was walking out of the hotel room and they go down. Where do they go, John? They go down to the basement yes. because Shredder is always going to new depths. Yes. So they go to the basement. They know if Shredder is escaping, he's got to have a transport module. So they go down to the basement and they happen to see the transport module descending like right as they, they enter the basement. But conveniently, what uh, is sitting there right in front of him, Chris? A spare transport module ready for the taking. Yes. And it, like the door is propped. It looks too good to be true. And it is because as soon as the turtles go to run to the transport module, two foot soldiers um, pop up behind some boxes and they start firing at the turtles who then retreat to their own pile of boxes. At which point, I don't know, this is just like Mikey's episode, I guess, because he was driving the turtle van. He fucking <laughs> saved the day like by creating the peace offering. And now he karate kicks a stack of luggage or boxes across a room into the foot soldiers, knocking them down and allowing the turtles to hop into the transport module and descend into the earth. So did you guys think that that was a trap or that the foot soldiers were just slow into getting into the module and descending? It seemed like it was a trap to me since they were hiding behind some boxes. I think it's just rear flank coverage is really what it was. Yeah. I, I went back and forth because at first I thought it was a trap, but then I'm like, if it was a trap, it should have been better because you don't want to hand them a transport module the only way they can get to the Technodrome. So I feel yeah. like I feel like it wasn't intentional. But that's where I'm like, Kojo. I mean, it worked, but if you think about it, like Crane's got his cameras in the transport module, so if he knows that the turtles are coming. It's perfect. It's almost too good yeah, to be true. Which uh, we'll get there, but this the scene coming up made me question it even more. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. But uh, back in the Technodrome, Crane, his plan and the reason he wanted to retrieve Mac is because he wants to open a time portal so that Mac can recruit his army friend of robots and return back to earth to then conquer it. So that's Krang's 
master plan and why he's implemented the Docillator and had Shredder put it on Mac's neck. Great plan by Crane. What's better than one killer robot? Thousands of them. He's putting a lot of eggs in that Docillator basket. That's going to work trans-dimensional. So this was interesting to me because Crane has the ability to go back to Dimension X if he wants, theoretically, right? Because if he's opening a portal with um, Mac, he could theoretically open it to any dimension he wants. So he's altered his plan of like going back to Dimension X um, and instead is now refocused it on like conquering Earth and then going back to Dimension X. I guess. I don't know. That's just what I'm what I'm seeing. I agree. It's listen, Krang is an opportunist. So yes, he is. You gotta do what you gotta do. What's, take what's there. Um but unfortunately the energy drain is going to destroy Mac. So it's kind of like, hey, we have to use you to then get um you know, get the portal open and then get your army friends to come through. So kind of a complex plan. Um, and lots of opportunities for things to go wrong, which happens in the immediate next scene. So Crane observes and somehow I still don't understand how he has a camera that can like just see inside the earth. Like, where's this camera coming from? Yeah. That one is weird. The one in the module makes sense. This one. Yeah. Yeah. Dirt cam does not. Yeah. So anyway, it's uh, it cuts to like the giant, um, TV projector that they have in the technodrome control room and it's the turtles descending into the earth he's realizing oh shit like they're on their way here um and then what plan does he have in place well he sets a trap he cuts all the lights so number one bad guy villain plan always turn off the lights so you don't want your you know the people you're attacking to know where you're coming from but i have also to say, a good strategy if someone ever is doing a b and e on your home just cut the lights because you know the layout of your house better than any stranger would. Yeah. Unless they have night vision goggles. In which or case, turn, turn the lights on. Yeah. And then, in yeah, in that case, fucking flash them with a light, like Chris said. Perhaps with your cell phone. Or if they have a flashlight, then they blind you and you're at a disadvantage. Why would you have night vision goggles? No, if you're if it's dark and they have a flashlight and they aim it at you in your eyes, you are blinded. So you've given them the advantage potentially. potentially. Sorry, John. Well, I mean, report back <laughs> if you guys ever if you ever have personal world experience with that. Um. So yeah. So anyway, uh, he cuts the lights and then and then the the turtles show up, and they're like, "Man, it's really dark in here," but. Let, let's go get shit done. And they open it up. I think Mikey's the first one to step out and immediately they're fucking captured. And not only are they captured, but they're chained. They are chained. Yeah. I thought at first it was just, they were tied up with rope. They're fucking yep. chained. So, which wasn't if, if they've been caught a couple times and tied with rope and it hasn't worked. So chain, it's good to see at least that the appropriate measures are being taken. Yeah. So Bebop and Rocksteady and the foot soldiers are the ones who chain them up. And they're leading them like down this hallway to back to Krang and Shredder, who are at kind of the control panel, um, the main part of the Technodrome. And then this is my biggest knock on Krang in this episode. He fucking spills the beans on his plan to the turtles. 
like as he's <laughs> about to like execute them. Um, and uh, it starts to initiate the energy drain to open the time portal. So he tells him exactly what his plan is and then proceeds to do it. And lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, something goes wrong. And what goes wrong? Well, that the intensity from opening the portal causes like a vibration or some sort of resonance, which causes the oscillator to just fucking fall off. So, yeah. well, disappointing would, that the magnet's not strong enough yeah. on the oscillator. Yeah, <laughs> bit of an oversight by Craig. I I thought about that because I was like, how is he? Not, how is he not using rare earth magnets? But remember, this guy's from the future, so whatever he's made of may not be you know uh what is it as magnetic ferris ferris is that how they yeah ferris yeah magnetic um so who knows but either way the absolute worst thing that could happen does and the oscillator falls off mac fucking this is like trick shots um he and i didn't know what was going on here i'm like is he just destroying the technodrome but he like fires some of his lasers but he does it in the opposite direction of the turtles and it starts to reflect off of the technodrome's interior and eventually blasts the chains off the turtles so he fucking like he's facing krang and shredder and he starts firing what it looks like at krang shredder but then it gets deflected into the turtles and cuts them free it's it's two things this reminds me of people that are really good at pool that can just bounce the fucking cue ball off like eight sides and then hit the ball and it goes in the net whatever i don't play pool obviously the pocket billiards. in the net <laughs> and second the inconsistency with these lasers i didn't think it was going to be such a sticking point for this episode but like do these things fucking disintegrate do they bounce off things like is he hitting mirrors is he hitting, what's going well, on I, i'd imagine he can control the intensity Joe. he's a very sophisticated weapon yeah so. and i wasn't thinking about intensity i was just saying he may have like four different types of lasers like one yeah. that's hey this is like you know melt a building down this is one that's just gonna zap your belt off this is you know shit like that so does it it ricochets five times and then disintegrates on the fifth time i get i i have no yeah. idea maybe it maybe it's a it like just seeks the metal the steel that was in the chain i have no idea it reminded way, me of the happy gilmore scene where he suits the shot on the radio tower and everyone's like watching it bang around that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. I, I mean, to be fair, Crane, Shredder, and the crew are just stupefied by this. They're just watching this happen. Yeah. Um, and then we get the fight music. And Crane commands everyone to attack. Um, but Mac cuts a hole in the floor with his laser. So he he uses the same trick that Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady used on him earlier in the episode. So And it's unclear where... Like they fall down that hole and we don't see him again for the rest of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they gone. could have been in like Earth's core for all we know in the lava. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after Shredder, Bebop, Rock City, and I think some foot soldiers were there too. They fall through. Um, Krang then calls for the rock soldiers who have not made an appearance. Oh I feel like in like over a season. Yeah. They should have stayed home. Yeah, and they should have stayed home because Mac fucking absolutely destroys the fucking rock soldiers. Like they're Turned lined up. Dust. He dusts yeah, he, them. Yep. He dusts them. Yeah, that's the best way. They're fucking dust in the wind. And <laughs> and uh 
Because I know he, it's coming. I know it's fucking coming. He, he <laughs> melts. He melts Krang's fucking feet to the floor. <laughs> so just as like a oh fuck you, um, he is just playing games with Krang. Like he okay. could easily kill Krang. He could do a whole lot to him. He just decides I'm gonna just glue you to this floor. And this is like apart from getting stuck in the gum. You can't have your fucking feet melted to the floor, Crank. Come on. Like, what are we doing? Just standing there taking eight, the second most embarrassing thing that's happened to him. <laughs> I forgot about the gum. Yeah. <laughs> and at least for the gum, he wasn't even in his body. Like, use your mutant fucking robot body. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Tough, tough stretch there for, in the Titan drum. Um, but then that's when Mac decides to just open fire everywhere. So he's just lighting the whole place up. And uh, yeah, he's laser blasts Buffalo Bill on this shit. It just yeah. lasers everywhere. everything. Yeah, this technology th- is done. After yeah. this episode, I, this thing can survive. Yeah. Well, in his fury of fucking laser blasts, he inadvertently hits the time portal control panel, and somehow it activates. So, and I still don't understand this. Maybe it's because his laser was like absorbed, but they needed energy to open the portal. Somehow it got opened. Um, we've seen these control panels get hit and fucking crazy shit happen. So I guess we're not really surprised, but the portal opens and lo and behold, it's Mac's dimension, what um, Krang had programmed. And Mac says he, he doesn't really want to go home because of all the war and violence, which to me was a callback to the neutrinos because they also lived in a dimension of war and violence. And in the photo of his dimension, it doesn't really look like War and violence. It kind of looks like, to John's point, it's like a f- nice and fairy tale. And to add another and, when he first showed up to Earth, he made a comment that, oh, people are open firing on each other. I must be on Earth. So he yeah, seemed to not true. be a fan of Earth out of the gate. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it wasn't about Earth at all. Maybe it was about the friends we made along the way. Perhaps. And like Turtle's pretty quick to call this guy their friend when 90% of the time he's been ruining everything around them. Yeah, that is true. Um, but keep your friends close and your enemies closer, Chris. True. Because um, Mikey and Donnie, so Mikey's, this is just Mikey's like fucking homecoming episode. Mikey and Donnie convince uh, Mac that he, sh- he has to return because A, he's going to explode and kill everyone in New York city. But B, he could also be a, um, he could be a warrior for peace in his dimension. I think that's what Donnie says. Like, Hey, even if you don't like war and violence, you could be an advocate for the opposite. So he's like, Oh, sure. And then he, and then he just floats. He fucking floats through the portal. Where was this floating? Like earlier, I don't know. Rides off into the sunset, basically to go back to John zero. He does right off in the sunset. Um, and then we uh, leaving the technodrome in disarray. And then back in the lair, the turtles are eating pizza. So we've got a couple pizzas here. The first one is what, John? I believe it's pepperoni. Yeah. Pepperoni or I would say meatball would be the other choice. Which one would we like to go with? Let's do a meatball back on the board. Yeah. All right. All right. Meatball it is. Um, and then this is where we maybe have a little bit of discussion. What's the second pie, Chris? 
It is a burnt pizza that I believe Mikey has left in the oven too long. So they pull it out and it is completely charred. Yep. So I, um, I'd floated. Maybe we just do like a well done. So it's still edible. I don't think anybody wants to eat burnt pizza. I think I'm lagging a little bit here too. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, yeah, well done. Okay. I think we actually had that on. I think we we had that before. Christy, what if Christy, we do Christy, extra? Yeah, crispy I had a crust. well done. Oh, I had extra oh, yeah. crispy crust. No, I had extra crispy crust. Oh. What if we do like a brick oven pizza or something? You'd have to buy one, but coal like coal just, fired or well like done, whatever. Well done. Burnt would be funny. I just don't feel like intentionally burning a pizza to then have to eat it. Yeah, burnt would be funny. And maybe you just burn one slice or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but what's the consensus on? Fuck it. Let's do burnt. I say burnt. All right. It's on there. Burnt is subjective, so just keep that in mind. Um, all right. So those are the two pizzas, and that ends the episode. So uh, turtles save the day. Mac is back where he belongs. And uh, the Technodrome... We don't know what's happening with that. So a couple cliffhangers, not everything's dotted, but uh, that's the end of the episode recap. So that brings us to turtleisms. There were a lot of turtleisms from Michelangelo. This I, it's yeah. just I I wrote them all down, handwritten. Look at Michelangelo's compared to everyone else. Jeez. So I was taking hand handwriting yeah. notes. Wow. Oh yeah. Respectable. Can't tell yeah. you the last time I wrote notes and actually crane had one of the funniest ones ever ever interesting yeah i wonder if it's the same one i wrote down so uh i'm gonna go through these uh i'll start with crane no i'll start with michelangelo he had a totally bogus fantabuloso peace dude scout this one down sling a mean laser as he was talking about Mac, give me three or uh, give me a high three or whatever it was. Give major three, bummer. Yeah. Major bummer. Scope it out, dudes. He said lean, green, and mean. What a bummer. Bizarro place. Fabuloso. You better boogie. Listen up, amigo. Don't go. Gonna blow. I also had scarf this down, dudes. I don't know if you oh, had that yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. That one was good. Um, Looks like Nuke, Nuke City. You missed that one, John? No, I missed that one. Yeah. That's when they arrived uh, to the chaos that Mac had. And soon oh, yeah. I was like, I like that. I had a, uh, Donnie had a Let's Go Turtles as they were going to get April. And then he said, Great ninjas, yes. Great readers, no. Talking about the library. Shredder, I had uh, Wretched Reptiles. Mac had a bunch of different phrases that were Western, but the one he said, a mass Mondo data. Yeah. He did. I think he was couple. imitating Mikey from that. Yeah, yeah. a couple times because it, it shows up a few more. At yeah. least one more. And then he had a no problemo dude. Yeah. Yep. April, I said, uh, April had an April on the exclusive, she said to herself. Talking to the third that's person. I didn't have that one, but that's a good one. Yeah. And then Krang, he had a mutant morons. And then he called, I think he called uh, Bebop and Rocksteady butt brains. 
bug brains. Yeah. Oh. I had to look that one up because I didn't know what you said. I had to actually look up the transcript. Yeah, that's funny. That's what I have. Anything anything missing, Chris? No, he had some that I didn't have, so. I think the one did you did you mention this, John? If you don't if you don't go, you're gonna blow. All right. Nice. Very good. Uh, so that's turtleism. Thanks, John. You've been on a turtleism like hot streak lately here. I know. You know two, times, in the like doing it. two times in the last 30 episodes, like you're, you know, making waves. This is three in a row. I, didn't I do the last episode? Someone called that a, well, I, a winning streak. I'm just saying I wrote them down. I wrote them down. Nice. All right. So that's turtleism's. Uh, we will now enter the villain power ranking. Johnny on the spot right now. Oh, but it is the old format. <clears throat> You'd see it. Hate to see it. All right, Chris, you want to give us a little breakdown of uh, where things stand in the villain power ranking from last yes. episode? Yes. So the top five: Shredder, Krang, Bebop, and Rocksteady making a big jump last week after Rocksteady murdered a guy. Uh, number <laughs> four: The Rat King. Number five: The Foot Soldiers. And then six through ten, we have the Vivaldi Crime Syndicate, the Rock Soldiers, Baxter Stockman, Trag and Granitor, and Don Trutelli rounding out the top ten. Very good. So um, the first question is, are we considering Mac a villain? I don't think so. I think he's um, like the frog, the Genghis Frogs. Which we did count yeah. as villains, I think, right? I know. Yeah, we did. I was just thinking that. We did. So I think for consistency, we should consider him, but I would vote to move him directly to the graveyard. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was going to say, does he ever make a comeback? I'll, I'll look it up while you're doing that. Probably not um, as a villain, I wouldn't imagine. Not as a villain, that's for sure. So it says... Um, Appearance. First appearance, attack of Big Mac. That's it. So it is an interesting, like, who would have been more powerful, Mac or Omnis? I feel like Omnis, Omnis because he could, like, travel through electrical wires and shit. Or, like, he had whatever, however he was able to extend his touch on other things without physically being there was wild, but... I don't know. Mac was pretty destructive in his time on Earth. Mm-hmm. Packed a lot in in one episode. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, and uh, speaking of which, John has a villain graveyard slide up. So head on over to YouTube, uh, check out the villain power ranking segment, which you can find in the show notes description, and uh, check out the villain graveyard because we haven't seen that in a while. It's been a while. It's a lot in so, there. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of robots. Rex One, Mausers, yeah. Roadkill Rodney's, Omnis, Mac. It's just wild. But uh, yeah. And then the reserves. We got the Punks and the Knucklehead. All right. So Mac is taken care of. Any other villains in this episode? Uh, No. No new ones. Okay. A lot of active ones. 
Yes. So let's start um, at the bottom and work our way up, I think. So we have the rock soldiers. They made an appearance. And I yeah, think they, they got to go down. Yeah. For, just getting for sure. blown to smithereens in your only screen time in the last month. I, I think, think they, they go, go down. Ooh, well, the last time we saw the rock soldiers, they were moving boxes around. And because uh, I remember Chris made a comment and said that's what they do. Yeah. Yeah, but they are a multiple appearance villain. So keep that in mind too, because um, some of these other guys haven't shown up again. Yeah. I know, which I'm fine with, but you're like, <laughs> you just the show last, up and you get the last notable appearance. Of was previous to this episode was when the they were at Niagara Falls and they got flung into the abyss. So the last two notable appearances, they've just been destroyed. Yeah. And this one was particularly bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I would, was gonna say down to nine, but yeah, that's me. Nine. Uh yeah. yeah, yep. I would say nine because they I think they're below Dragon Grantor still. Yeah, and Don Tertelli just hasn't had enough of an appearance to mm-hmm. warrant moving up, I don't think. Yeah. Okay. How about the okay, foot so soldiers? Foot soldiers. Pretty good. Yeah, I got smoked. Well, I was going to move them up. Yeah, I was going to move what? them up too because they helped capture the turtles, all four of them. Yeah, so one one of them got destroyed. That's a negative. The other one kind of caught Mac. And then they also were the ones responsible for. Did they capture him when they, when the turtles came down to the Technodrome? They're in that group, right? Yeah, they were in that group. A couple of them, at least. They did also get thwarted in the basement, though. So. Do we move them above the Rat King? Did the Rat King capture the turtles? No. No, he did not. So that's a good point. I feel like we have to just move him up, and they may move back from inactivity later, but I mean, they also were significant contributors to capturing Mac in the first place and in the second place. So I feel like we have to we have to move him up. Okay. Okay, so All the right. foot soldiers moved to four. Now we got Bebop and Rocksteady. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I think they have to move ahead of Krang. Wow. They did. This was a bad they, episode for Krang. And they, and, Bebop and Rocksteady did very well in this episode. And they made fun of Krang, and he just had to take it. Yeah. I mean, what did they do? They cut a hole in the floor perfectly. The timing of that is incredible, by the way. To really? catch a moving <laughs> Mac in a perfect chainsaw circle. Incredible. And they caught the turtles coming out of the Transport module. Who, who are you giving credit for catching the turtles? The foot soldiers and Bebop? Both. I mean, it's a team They're effort. They're all there. Damn the gun. I mean, I it was Crane's think. idea I want to do, but this, to me, was one of Crane's worst episodes. Yeah, but I <laughs> I don't know if I can put... I mean, maybe, but I just think Crane's plan was great. Like, And if Shredder didn't Foil. I mean, we'll That's get true. to that in a second. But you know what I mean? Like, Krang had a good plan. I mean, granted, his dos- his first oscillator was not good, so I'll knock him for that. 
but then like he had the plan even to capture the turtles at the technodrome. So I, I don't know. I don't know. So I guess I it's know. would if had Shredder not gone on this little spree, would the Dossolator have still fallen off of Mac? Like, I didn't know if that was it, it shook off violently or it ran out of batteries or like just, well, just timing. Even if it came off, though, the turtles wouldn't have been down in the Technodrome because the only reason they were there is because Shredder was, you know, dilly dallying in the bachelor pad. Yeah, I think. Yeah, point. I think the, it probably, the outcome may have been similar, but at least, um, yeah, at least they would have had a smoother i guess interaction with mac up until they were trying to drain him you know like it probably still would have fallen off and he would have shot the place up but i don't know do you think krang moves up or just it stays no i no i think well i don't know i feel like the krang and shredder debate we have every week is a tough one because Shredder disobeyed Krang's plan, which ultimately led to the turtles getting to the Technodrome. However, Shredder also was the one like to actually execute the plan too. So it's this weird dynamic I always have every week is like, who do you give credit to? The person I mean, that made like the plan wreaking the havoc that on New York City for a little bit. Yeah. And disobeying realistic. your boss is also villainous. I mean. Yeah, but you can't, like, I feel like... Be- we give Shredder too much credit for that because Krang's plan of bringing in an army of murderous robots is the ultimate villainous thing. Then, if you want to take that scenario, yeah, but it, that didn't actually come to fruition. But it was it would have if Shredder just fucking listened. I don't know. I mean, I just my honestly my big thing is when you get your fucking shoes melted. <laughs> How do you come back from that in an episode? All it's right. embarrassing. Well, if Chris is saying move him down, fucking move him down. All right, move him down. But there's no way Bebop and Rocksteady are number one. Maybe we weave him where he is then if we don't move him down. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, he's either two or three. I would say two is what my vote would be. Uh, but if we want to just add some dynamic elements to the villain power ranking, we can mix up the one and two spots. I, I was, because to me, the first, the first. Dossolator failures on Crane. The second one, it seemed a little unclear to me, but he also got us like, I'll say, Crane doesn't put up much of a fight when shit hits the fan. He's usually just standing around getting blasted or like getting stuck in something. He's very dependent on his on his gadgets. Yeah, he he went to the dinosaur land and he had his own mini Technodrome. He like just survives by his. Yeah, where the hell is that thing? By the way. That's a good question. Um, but in my mind, Shredder or Crane gets a knock because of the first oscillator. Shredder gets a knock for not following the, the plan for the second time. But to your point, Chris, fucking Crane's shoes get melted, which is more, <laughs> it's way more um, uh, devastating than just falling through a floor. Yeah, it's, and it felt like more personal. Which shoes made out of? He melted, yeah. I don't know. He melted his shoes and then he made him watch as all his shit got destroyed in front of him. Yeah. It's like a double embarrassing. So. Yeah. All right. So do we want to keep Krang at two down. or he's down? I'm fine with him move. at three as all much right. as I hate to do it. Okay. And Krang or uh, Shredder just kind of by default stays at one. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's yeah, no way Bebop Rock study. Yeah, they can't be one. number one. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. That concludes our villain power ranking update. Very Tough good. week for Kareem. Not great. Yeah. I knew coming into this, I was surprised you guys weren't as gung ho about moving him around. I was expecting to have to scratch and claw, but it is I what think, it is. Yeah. I mean, we're fortunately we're building up more villains. Uh, there's m- w- much more to come. So we'll get uh, definitely some more players in the villain power ranking. So now we're going to switch up a little bit. We're going to do the pizza poll question of the week. Yes. So Andrew, having eaten pizza this week, will answer the question first. I, having won the poll, will answer second. Chris. There are 52 questions. Let's get a random number generated, please. It would be 10. Question number 10. What is the best number? What is the best number? Ooh. Wow. The best number. And this is actually a good one for me to sit out because I have, on a separate show I am on, I have answered this question before. Hmm. Well, a lot of things rattling around in my brain. However, the answer is one. Why is it one? For a couple of reasons. Everyone wants to be first place. I mean, that's just the way it goes. You want to be first in line. You want to be the first one to go to college. You want to be the first one to create cowboy chili with no beans. <laughs> um, but yeah, in general, you know, you want to win the gold medal. You want to be first. Also, I do have to shout out to a book called From Zero to One which is written by Peter Thiel, who I'm not a huge fan of, but I think that book is actually quite interesting because the concept is the hardest thing you can do in life is go from zero to one in whatever it is. So if it's your business, it's just like that first step of establishing the business and gaining momentum because then going from one to two or, or one to three or whatever is exponentially easier than that initial effort. So for that reason, I'm choosing one. Okay. I respect that answer. I think one is a good number. I'm going... <laughs> I'm going with 69. <laughs> oh <my God>. And, the, <laughs> and the, the reason is, if you see that number, you just laugh. There's no scenario where that number comes up and it's appropriate even like an offensive lineman even though the nfl changed the rule the number rules i'm not even sure they let you pick that number if i'm being honest and it has a meaning and everyone knows what the meaning is and that's why i'm picking 69 because i feel like it's just comedic genius and this this goes back to my like philosophical question of last week which is are you playing what is true in your heart or are you playing to win the poll? I mean, just playing to win that, the poll. Yeah. Which, that's a, that's a play to win the poll. Yeah. Which I have no issue with. I just like, <laughs> I'm true to myself and my answer was one. That's, that's my, just like chief. Yeah. I think I appreciate Andrew's answer. John's 
it's a, it's a play for the poll. I don't know if I respect <laughs> it really, especially coming from an accountant. Like I was expecting something, I don't know, a little more. Yeah, like 10. I was thinking John was going to yeah. go 10, like base 10, you know, fundamental of the metric system and decimals and shit like that. But so when I did this previously, the first you know, answer actually, off the board. Go ahead. Wait, wait. I, for, out of actually, out of respect for the poll, I think I'm going to pick what I actually think is the best number and just not 69 is not the best number. Let's Wait, be Andrew, do you want to allow this John? I uh, no, I think, I think when getting you're getting a read. Yeah, no. It, yeah. I think you just, it is what it is. Oh, all right. Yeah. You're trying I, to I have no, Andrew and just stack. I have answers. no, I have no issue playing for the poll. I'm just, it's just funny yeah. because I could see the, if I had gone with my gut, I would have said like 420 or 69. So it would have been funny if it was, if it was 420 or 69. But I feel like those are so stereotypical that I just went with in my heart what I thought the best number was. Yeah, well, which yeah, that's fair. Not it's not my favorite number, believe it or not. So, yeah, okay, that's fair. Well, I'll say when I did this previously, the top answer off the board, which I didn't take, but I would have, was the golden ratio. I forget what the exact number is. Yeah. It's a decimal. Points one point six one eight. Yeah, yeah. Which blah, blah, blah. everyone knows if you've read the Da Vinci Code. Just found in nature everywhere, spirals of a shell. Weren't we talking about that? We were. Yeah, shit. And then two other answers that came up, which were controversial. Pi was on there, but we had somebody chose I, imaginary I, Mm. which square root of negative one. Yeah, square root of negative one. And then somebody chose infinity, which I argued was not a number, but a concept. Yeah. So I agree it is a concept because here's. The crazy thing about infinity that still blows my mind. So there's infinite numbers. Let's just say infinite numbers in the universe, one to infinity. There's also an infinite number of numbers between one, zero and one. So like, yeah, it's density. Like that's what's crazy about infinity is there's like different densities of infinity, which is fucking well, yeah. Some infinities like are bigger axis. than other infinities. To your yeah. exact point. Yeah. The infinity I mean, between zero and one conceptually is less smaller. than the infinity yeah. between zero and two. But they're both still infinity, which is fucking. Yeah. So here's a number for you. You might have heard this in elementary school a Gugaplex. Is that Gugaplex. real? I think it's one with like a million zeros after it or something. It is an actual number. Googleplex. Yeah. Numbers are tough. I mean, there's a lot of great answers there. I would argue, though, is no, yeah, I guess the golden ratio is a number. It's just a decimal. So, yeah. would, uh, what about a variable as a representation of a number? X. You could argue as a Roman numeral. Yeah, X yeah, would the be the most a good, common variable. Yeah. I might say five is a good number because. Oh, like Whenever, uh, when you're marking, when you're marking, you know, the lines one, two, three, four, and you cross on the five. I was thinking that the other day. Why isn't it 10? Like who decided just fucking do this with five? Because like, it was counting. I did look this up. It's like your hands basically. Oh yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Your thumb. Yeah. yeah. Four mm-hmm. and five. Okay. Oh. Yep. Yeah. But five is also good. Like when you're any volume you're on has to be on either a zero or a five 
usually a five. Number ends in five. A volume? Like audio? Yeah, like TV or radio or whatever. Or an alarm clock setting. You're just telling me that when you turn the volume up on your TV, you just go in until you think it's loud enough. You don't go to an actual round number. No, On the TV, I do that. Click, click. But an alarm clock, I have to sit on a multiple of five. I mean, yeah. People that don't are psychopaths. I I may have said this on this podcast before, but it's actually easier to wake up if your alarm is set on a, some odd crazy number around where you are because you it's just very odd to your brain when you wake up to look at your clock and it's some random number not like 6 30 interesting i i just when i'm setting my alarm in the morning if it's like i need to wake up at six i just kind of scroll to it hits some weird number around six that's insane you're an insane yeah. person it's a psycho <laughs> psychopath move i just um, to it because if but, you wake up in the middle of the night, you, how do you calculate what you have left to sleep? I mean, I don't really care. What? That's the whole perk to waking up randomly in the middle of the night. You can look sometimes over I, like sometimes I wake up and go to pee and I don't even look at the clock. I never look at the clock because while what? the feeling, we had this conversation, speaking of throwbacks, we talked exactly about this um, in one of the other questions, the pizza bowl questions. Which was what yeah, was, was the best time of day or best? Yeah, was that best, best time? time? Best time. And I said two a.m. I think, or one a.m. Two a.m. And my justification was, when you look over to your alarm clock and it is only two a.m., you can count the number of hours you have left. But that also comes with the chance that you look over and it's like an hour before you have to wake up, or thirty minutes before you have to wake up, or yeah. whatever. So it's a gift and a curse. So now we'll move uh, to John reading the pizza poll results from last week. Yes. The results from last week. The question was, if you had a pet parrot, what phrase would you teach it to say? The response is, I said the F word because I couldn't think of anything good on the spot. And Chris said chumba wumba. (laughs) And... Andrew said both those answers sucked. And he was they right. did. Yes. Yeah. But and what I did what I said um, shake and bake, or I said if oh, you ain't true. first, you're last, which are both from Talladega Nights. Shake and, shake and bake is still the best. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what did the uh, listening audience say, John? So uh, 40 total votes. Uh, with 25 of 40 and 63%, the winner is fuck John. Whoa. Chris, his two-pole <laughs> win streak was ended this week. I mean, Two, I think it was three. No. Might have been three. But, I mean, that's the right answer of the yeah. two. I'm surprised it was as close as it was, though. I think Chumbawamba's got the comedy factor. 40 votes, the short week. Who knows where it would have ended if we extrapolate that out over a couple days, but I will not deny that I lost. Next episode, let's just check to see where this ended up, which probably isn't a whole lot different than now. But either way... I'm telling you right now, we're not going to get more votes on it. What's confusing to me is that I can see that 300 people viewed it, but only 40 voted. So uh, 260 people thought... Bots. They're bots. Not for me. <laughs> They're max. <laughs> well, um, 
All right. We'll see what the commenters. We had one commenter. Come on, man. (laughs) Yeah. I'll have to to check it out. Uh, We're now going, since we've done the pizza poll results from last week, uh, a few minutes ago, we are now moving into pizza time. So Chris lost the pizza poll. He will be spinning the wheel. John has earned a pizza power up this episode, Mm -hmm. which was the shuffle. No, respin, respin. Respin, yep. Respin. So, um, John, would you like to use, would anyone like to use uh, power up at this point? No, right now. Okay. So I will um, get the wheel up on the board. and John would not. John's not going to use a respin on out of the gate. I don't see it happening. Even after I spin. <clears throat> maybe, maybe not. Got 42 options on the wheel. Chris, I don't know if you can see that, but um, what, what are you hoping for? I'll be honest. I can't read any of those. So I'm hoping right. for, I believe there was white pizza maybe or ricotta yeah. pizza. Yeah. Well, I'd so like something. If you're in the Trello, Chris, it's in the pizza time segment. They're all listed there. John with a little insider info, inside baseball, as we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to say, go. you know what? I would still like the... Give me the ricotta pizza. I'm going to call my shot right now. Ricotta pizza. Right. What's interesting is Chris is hoping for the same pizza I had hoped for last episode. So if uh, luck would or fate would have it the same for Chris, he should get a uh, softball pizza this this week and so chris will chris join the old maids will he we'll find out chris uh why don't you just call out when you want me to start spinning now away we go where will we stop nobody knows except the pizza stops pizza wheels loaded Ooh, peanut butter and jelly pizza puffs just got pizza, pizza puffs. puffs oh that's a good so idea. this is interesting because i also got the mini pizzas Yes. Which I think came from the same episode. I'm not even so sure you're going what a pizza with puff is. I would call a pizza puff a uh, Totino's pizza bite. Pizza, which is kind of yeah. in my mind. A pizza bite or something of that nature. So pizza puffs from season three, episode three. This can't be right. There's like seven pizza flavors from that episode. Yeah. What episode? Yeah, there was. That was one. That was Irma's. Um, Party where they brought all the oh, ice cream yeah. pizzas and all that stuff. Fifty foot Irma or Chris fucking questioning the authenticity of the pizza. Well, I looked. The whole list is like season three, episode three. I'm like, what did we do? What? <laughs> I remember that. Great, Chris well, setting new records. This will be his eleventh pizza. Well, John, are you uh, going to use any of your power ups at this point? I will not. Okay, I'll Great. I'll let Chris enjoy the pizza puff. All right, so pizza puffs are on the board. Chris will prepare that for next week. Could be terrifying because a pizza roll, you never really know what the temperature on the inside of those bed is. <laughs> so wait, do we do we decide if that's just pizza puffs or is that pizza puffs on a pizza? Pizza puffs on a pizza. Because I did I think, mini I did bagel pizzas on a pizza last time. Yeah, but you bagel did place. that on I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, leave it leave it up to the um the, the chef to decide how they want to okay. what vehicle they want that delivered on. Maybe one so. big pizza puff. Mm. Yeah. Well, so that's uh, pizza time. So good luck with that next week, Chris. Um, but Thank that you. 
that concludes our show. So we're now sitting uh, around for the outro. Any notable things you guys want to plug for the coming week? I, got I want to plug the uh, socials, TMNT, at TMNT Shellcast on all platforms. And I want to say this. I My microphone last week kind of sounded like I was underwater, but that's because I was sick and I was my microphone was also sick. I, I blew my nose a lot the past week. And one of the worst things in the world is when the tissue box, the tissue falls inside the box and it the automatic chain doesn't keep going, holding it out. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. And you know what's even worse than that? Uh, the diaper wipes packaging, which is made to work like that, but it has like a snap closed lid. Yeah, yeah. Those things never work the way they're supposed to. At least tissues come out one at a time. The diaper wipes, you'll get five sometimes. You'll get like none the other time. Or, you know, oh, is it like perforated, but you got to like... Yeah, they're like folded. And yeah, like the Clorox wipes. Yeah. Same thing. You get like exactly. eight of them. Exactly. It's like, fuck. And obviously they do that on purpose because they want you to go through it faster, but... Yeah. But like I got to stick my fucking giant ass meat lobster claw in this tissue box and then it stretches out the plastic so then it makes it even worse. Come on. Fucking figure it out, Kleenex. Same with Pringles. Fucking a little bit bigger on the can, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't get That's down what, to the bottom. They'll get crunched. Yeah. It's Again, just a bigger can. It's by design. They want those broken bits so you go out and buy a new one. Like It's all about... It's the same... I heard this story one time. This guy approached like a major toothpaste um, company and was like, hey, I, you know, sign an NDA. I've got an idea to like grow your revenue 30% or something, some, some something outrageous. Um, and so they sign it because it's low risk um, just to sign an NDA. They sign it and uh, lo and behold, his idea is make the hole in the toothpaste tube bigger because people will use more every time they put it on their toothbrush and they'll buy you know, they'll buy your toothpaste 30% more often. And it fucking worked. Yeah. So that guy made a bunch of money. So corporate America, uh, but Kleenex tissues, they work really well. So I'm, I'm buying Kleenex. I'm also, a Puffs Kleenex. guy, Puffs medicated lotion, whatever they are. They don't scratch your nose up. Shut up, Puffs. That's, that's what I was just going to say. A nose and knee deserves Puffs indeed. That shit is true. When you're blowing your nose a lot, get a little medicated lotion on there. Spend the money. They don't tell you. Everyone talks about toilet paper. Spend the money on tissues. That's true. Well, we're glad you're recovered, John. Yeah. Um, hopefully smooth sailing. You are the most sick, you know, host of Team and T Shellcast. So just want to throw that out there. That's not for debate. Um, it's usually not a. It's not a reputation that I usually have andrew you're usually the the one that's ill usually wow. especially the especially being with, swung i mean <laughs> that's the claim i don't know if it's ever been proven that i've the most sick. <laughs> uh but how about you chris what's uh i'm never sick rarely am i sick maybe once a year probably because i live in isolation so i don't i don't have to worry <laughs> about it but um no i don't really have anything for the outro other than I am not hosting next week. John is. So I'll have the pizza ready to go. Great. Great, great. Uh, and John, I realize I may have cut you off. Do you have anything else to uh, to plug besides tissues, tissue boxes? 
Uh, no, I do not. Perfect. Um, I just quick- actually, yeah, actually, one more thing. Yeah, shout out to our presenting sponsor, presumably of today's episode, Spotify.com backslash podcasters. No free yeah, ads. Sp- Spotify for podcasters. Perfect. Um, I caught this. So two things uh, real quick. One, I showed a little preview of what was at the San Diego Comic-Con. And um, uh, a whole lot more came out in this week. So it ran through today. So I think maybe next episode we'll do a deep dive, uh, particularly with a interview with one of the head honchos at NECA giving a tour of everything in the booth. So we didn't do that, um, but we're leveraging um, what's been shared on social media. So we'll definitely give credit where credit is due. Um, Secondly, I also heard that Nickelodeon is doing reruns of the 87 series on today's TV. Wow. So I haven't haven't verified that, but if it is true, that's huge. Number one for eight fans of the 87 series like ourselves, but two, maybe for this podcast, because if people are searching for, you know, April's fool, they might find our show. So if that's how you got here, welcome and tell a friend. And we have a turtle con voicemail. Yes. Through the website. Please do. There's actually one more thing I forgot. Perfect. I Andrew sent a random text this week that just said, I think Mikey was driving. And then Chris thumbs it down, I believe, actually. Listen, we we can't record re-record episodes. So I'm just curious, where did that what prompted that? I thought it was like just delayed. Like, was that text just stuck in the ether? No, when I was editing the episode and and that was a very time intensive editing clip there. Um the more I watched it, I was like, you know what? I think, I think John is probably right. But <laughs> it's a shame you can't take a vote I've never back. Heard, I've never heard a more convincing argument. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it, it's a tough. It's definitely yeah. a tough scene, and I don't think there's a clear, um, decisive person being correct. But the more I watched it, the more I was kind of leaning uh, away from Chris's camp and into John's camp. Beautiful. But, but just to note, you did say it wasn't clear. Yeah, so hindsight is twenty twenty. On yep. the the actual documentation of somebody being told to fire up a turtle blimp. No, <laughs> <laughs> we can only assume if the rest is unclear. We can only assume what the intent was. <laughs> yeah, and and the reality is, the next time Donnie drives a blimp, it, this won't even matter yeah. anyway. So yeah, it's true. Well, the next um, time we'll be in season four. So yeah, we'll we'll see. But in Got any wrong. event. In any event, uh, thanks for sticking with us. I know it's a bit of a long one, but uh, from all of us here at TMNT Shellcast, this is Andrew uh, saying cowabunga for John and Chris. See you next week. Cheers, everyone.